Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker with you for the next three hours. It's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Super Bowl champ. Carrie Davis, good morning. How are you doing? I am doing well, sir. How are you? Good. I always like to make you smile by calling you a Super Bowl champ. I, I enjoy that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It never, it, Randy, that's the thing. It never gets old. <laughs> it had been, uh, uh, what year are we in? 2023? A while ago. 15 years now? Yeah. It, 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 it never gets old. But here's the thing. If somebody would call, like, today or tomorrow and say, Kerry, I need you for one block on Sunday in an NFL playoff game. You got one how play? Much, how much are we talking? One one block, I can give you one block. Yeah, just, I don't know. I need you out there for one play, one big play, boy. I can give you one play. Run somebody over. Yeah, but I don't know what I'm going to be <laughs> like after that play uh, for the next days, weeks, months yeah. after that play. But that's, it, and it depends on who I'm blocking. I can pass. I can get in there and pass pro one. I can get you one third down <laughs> conversion on a pass pro. No problem. Sign me up. It's it's uh, Jadavian Clowney or TJ Watt. Yeah, I'm cutting them. Man, don't worry about that. Yeah. Get the ball out. Three step drop. Don't hold. Don't hold on to it. Carry yeah. learned what happens when you go up against yeah. those six seven defensive ends. They got long arms. You better get to them hey, quickly. Don't worry about pass blocking Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> <laughs> If he's even there. Uh, he might not be there. <laughs> Darren Bang will be with us in the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Mike Claiborne in the 9 o'clock hour. And our buddy Martin Kilcoin has a big event, event coming up. He's going to be with us at the top of the 9 o'clock hour as well. A victory for the Blues last night. 2-1 over the Ottawa Senators and the Blues back on the, the winning track. And we're just riding and enjoying the roller coaster, aren't we? I don't know if we're enjoying the roller coaster. You know, some roller coaster. I'm not a roller coaster fan, Randy. I don't oh, go okay. to theme parks and, and say I want to have, you know, the, the, the mess scared out of me <laughs> for the for the sake of having fun. I don't I don't enjoy roller coasters. I like a smooth ride. I, nice. I like the even plane, nothing too high, nothing too low. Um, but it has been a roller coaster ride. You do not know uh night to night what you're gonna get, who's going to be the the guy that is going to be the guy for that night. Um and I guess it's fun when you're when you're on those those highs of the roller coaster, you know. But when you're when you're on those dips, it's like, whew, this is get me out of here. And it happens in a hurry too, right? It, <laughs> it, it just, does, just like a roller coaster. It does. Blues got the lead against Ottawa just five thirty into the game. Puck clear to the far wing. Puccini kicks it up. Levo retrieves it for the Blues between the benches, and Rosen catches it near wing and skates it in on his back in center. They score. Jake Neighbors. But on the sliding feed from Rosen, 
Neighbors gets a piece of it. Five hole on Talbot. One nothing Blues. 5.30 into the first period. When the Blues opened the season against Columbus in October, I think most of us thought that on January 15th, neighbors would have a goal from Rosen and Levo, that that would be (laughs) one of the goals the Blues would get. When we were talking about the offseason, these are three names (laughs) that we really harped on. We were really focused on these three guys (laughs) and how well they would be playing for the Blues. (laughs) No one thought that. No No, way. Nobody thought they would be playing last night. At the 15.06 mark, the Blues were able to double their lead thanks to... Oh, Blues! The oh, Blues strip it! They steal it! They score it! Achari! His 10th of the year as Talbot fumbled the puck! And the Blues capitalized, take a 2-0 lead. 4.54 to go in the first period. Thanks, Cam. Thank we'll you. take it. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to complain about it. Yeah. That was in the first. The Blues allowed a goal in the uh, second period, up 2-1, to one, and then down the stretch it was Jordan Bennington. He has turned aside 32 of 33 Ottawa shots. Not only we played our best hockey as of late, and um, it's definitely good to to get these two points, and, and uh, we need we need them right now, and we got to have a, a good stretch here going into the bye week. So the Blues get the win, and not only do they get the win, but they get a fight from Jake Neighbors. Uh, at 147 of the second period, he fought Kelly of Ottawa, and as you might guess, his coach, Craig Berube, who had a fight or two during his NHL career, he enjoyed it. Hey, he did great. Yeah, I couldn't really tell on the play, but obviously maybe he thought he, that he did something there to Achari, so that's nice. Good teamwork, step in and take care of your teammate, and he did a great job, and I thought he had a heck of a game. It was fun to see. It was fun to see the Blues get into a legit NHL fight. That was that for me. When, when Achari got taken out, he got hit, blindsided. It, it, whatever the case may be, if you were angry and you felt the need to drop, and and Neighbors was the aggressor. He he went. He took it right to him right right away, and and beat him pretty good. Got to him and and got him down. And so that for me, you know, I am um, I am excited when I see guys be aggressive. Especially in, in aggressive sports, you got guys running into each other full speed. You, you should not allow people to hit you, and you should hit people first. And I think that's what, you know, they, they literally took the fight to mm-hmm. the Ottawa yeah. Senators last night. And so that's kind of what this team needs. They need a, a, a jolt every now and then from someone saying, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be bullied or, or pushed around. And when you watch Brady Kachuk play, or when you watch Matthew Kachuk play, I thought John Kelly made an interesting point last night. And he didn't say this, but I'll say this. The Blues missed out on their plan because their plan was to get Matthew Kachuk here in St. Louis. But they couldn't match the offer that Florida provided with Huberdeau and uh, Mackenzie Wieger. But there's only three players in the NHL that lead their teams in points and penalty minutes, and two of them have the last name of Kachuk. Now, well, <laughs> two of those guys, you might want to, yeah. you might have wanted one of those on your team. A little, little aggressive, and you can appreciate that. Absolutely. So the Blues win it by a score of two to one over Ottawa, and they'll take on the Predators Thursday night at Enterprise Center. Last night, NFL Cowboys thirty-one. Buccaneers 14. Now, a rather untraditional way for the Cowboys to get to 31 points. First quarter, Dalton Schultz, a touchdown pass from Dak Prescott. PAT missed. Second quarter, Dak Prescott, a one-yard run. PAT missed. Also in the second quarter, Dalton Schultz, an 11-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott. PAT missed. Uh, The Cowboys with another touchdown. Michael Gallup with a two-yard pass from Prescott in the third quarter. 10-04 of the third quarter. PAT missed. (laughs) 
Finally, Tampa Bay scores at the end of the third quarter. Julio Jones, a 30-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady. They failed on the two-point conversion. In the fourth quarter, C.D. Lamb with a, with an 18-yard touchdown pass from Dak. Brett Maher with the kick. Hey, the, hey the you got us one. All right. And, and those are your 31 points for Dallas. A Cameron Brait, eight-yard touchdown pass from Brady late. He hit Mike Evans for the two-point conversion. And a rather unconventional way to get to 31-14. And a great night for Dak Prescott, who accounted for all five of the touchdowns, four passes, and one run. Kerry Davis, this game closed before the game with an over-under of 45-and-a-half. The two teams combined for 45 points. They went under. Brett Maher missed four out of four <laughs> extra points. It was, uh, it was intriguing as we got close to the end there. Uh, I was telling you earlier that I read that there was a better who who had placed a $400,000 bet on the under uh, and and as I saw those field goals, those extra points being missed, and I saw the the game kind of trending in the direction that it was going, I, I, I just had a few questions in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the better's name is. I don't know if it was if he's related Brett. to me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he has the same last name. But I thought that was pretty intriguing that um that the score ended up being that. And then the 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 Buccaneers recovered an onside kick yeah. late in the game. I'm like, oh oh. Oh, this is all we're watching for to see if they go score. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately for some folks, he didn't. They didn't. And so you get the 45 under. But that, that keeps people engaged in games at all times. So Dallas advances. Next weekend, you've got Jacksonville at Kansas City at 3.30 St. Louis time. That game is on NBC. The night game on Saturday, the Giants at Philly. That's a 7.15 game St. Louis time. Then Sunday, Cincy at Buffalo at 2 o'clock. That ought to be wild and crazy. And then the night game on Sunday night, ratings for Fox, Dallas at San Francisco, going back to the 90s when they played in the NFC Championship game every year. Those were some of my favorite matchups watching those guys. I was a Deion Sanders, Mm -hmm. a huge Deion Sanders fan. And when he was with the 49ers and then he decided to go to the Cowboys, it just made that rivalry that much more exciting to watch. And you really knew whoever won that game was going to probably go into the Super Bowl and win it. And so you you knew the importance of that game. I'm excited for that matchup. I don't know if it's going to be similar to what we saw in the 90s, but I because I yeah. think San Francisco is the team that's going to ground and pound and going to beat up Dallas up front. It's which, different because it, Dallas it, yes, was a physical yeah, team in the they 90s. They were, and, and 49ers were the team that could pass it all around, and now it's kind of flip-flopped. San Francisco is a very violent team up front, and so to see how well or, or, or how poorly uh, Dallas performs against them is going to be the, the the key matchup for that game. And a couple of other football notes. Number one, Jim Harbaugh taking his name out of consideration for an NFL job says he's going to stay at Michigan for at least another year. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this song and dance again. He's yeah. trying to win a championship, and he. But we'll 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 revisit this conversation January third, I guess, mm-hmm. of next year. Whenever the 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 bowl games are over and completed, he'll he'll be in the conversation again for another head coaching job. And it does appear as if Sean Payton is going to interview for every open job this year. He completed an interview with the Texans yesterday and said, yeah, I'd absolutely go to Houston and be the coach of the Texans. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) If you have Texans, Houston Texans on the table or potentially a a Los Angeles Chargers on the table, you're not going to Houston. Even if it's, I mean, I think Houston would be the last 
of the of the openings. No, it, it, Carolina would be ahead of them. Yep. Um, uh, who else? Arizona would be ahead of them. Just ahead of them. Just ahead, but but yeah. still ahead. I yeah, mean, the I, Houston, I think you would. Houston's Houston, gone through two coaches in two years, right? They have. They have three and three. It, it's really bad over there. Yeah. So I, I think there's a whole rehaul that you would have to do uh, if you were if you were you got to tear everything down and, and and build it back up if you're going to Houston. Do you want to go to Denver? It, I, I think Denver might be top of the list, and I say that because Russell Wilson just ha- he was it was just a bad year for him. Mm-hmm. I think. You've seen what he's done throughout. Russell Wilson is a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know if he is a Hall of Famer. I think he's right on the cusp. If you get him and get him corrected and get him going in the right direction and their running game is back the way that it should be, um, I think I think Denver would be probably top of the list. I, I don't think that they're – and obviously when a job opens up, it's because it's not great, right? I don't think there is a great job right now. I, I think if I were to pick one, and by the way, I need power. I need Dick Vermeil, 1997 type power. I need to be the president of football operations. I might look at Carolina because of the owner and the money, and hopefully yeah. uh, what I want is an owner that's not going to meddle. And so that means I, I want to be the president of football operations and make my own decisions. So if you were ranking them, we got Denver, you got I think Denver Carolina. probably, but I, I think I go Carolina, Denver. Carolina, Denver, Indianapolis, and then Houston. Oh, then Arizona, Ar- Arizona, then Houston. then Houston. Houston would be at the bottom of my list. Got you. What about you? I think it would be Denver, Denver, Carolina. I might go Arizona because of what they have. I know that they they even with Kyler Murray, kind of you know what you get with him is what you get. I, I think go, DeAndre Hopkins wants out. I think he does too. But we still got Zach Ertz. We we can figure some things out in mm-hmm. in in Arizona. Indianapolis and Atlanta would be my last two because Indianapolis for the last four four years now mm-hmm. is it four that that they've been bringing one year quarterbacks in um, since Andrew Luck retired. Just right. just trying to find that piece. I, I think. Until they find that guy, and maybe they find him in the draft, maybe they move up in the draft and, and you know, go that route. But until then, I think he, Indianapolis is a is a team that would, would scare me. I'm trying to check here because I know I have the draft order. But if, I, if I'm if i the Colts, I'm doing everything I can to move up and get C.J. Stroud. They're either four or six. I can't remember. Uh, let me give it to you here. They are number four. Yeah. So I'm... I'm certainly getting a quarterback, but I'm going to do what I can to trade up with Chicago and get C.J. Stroud. You're going to swap with them? Yeah. You're going to give them something in return? Another draft pick? Yep. They move them back to four and, and an extra draft pick? Yeah. It, it, I'll do it. You, would you go a first-round draft pick for the following year? Would you be that willing to – are you that – I don't know that Stroud is that much better than Bryce Young or Levis. So you no need to, to yeah. give up an extra if, draft pick? No, I, I'm not – at this point, that much more in love with him than the other gotcha. guys. Well, that's why they have the pro days and the combine, and they yeah. get to watch everyone in shorts, and then they get to say, oh, he's yeah, great. Yeah. Hey, you didn't see him play football, I'm did you? I'm just going to watch more tape. <laughs> someone's going to get Trubisky. Someone, someone's <laughs> Trubiskying this year. I can just, I can feel it. At least Straub played. Trubisky didn't even play. I mean, that's, wow, just a direct that's shot like, at Trey Lance, huh? Yeah, Trey Lance, exactly. Same thing. Trey Lance and Trubisky are essentially the, the same idea. Not great. There you go. I like how Randy yeah. slipped that in while 49er fans are celebrating a playoff win. Just like they're, they're happy hey. right now. And Randy just slipped hey, by the hey. way, Trubisky and Trey Lance. M- my recommendation much. is get your quarterback either in the seventh rounder in free agency. Or sixth, seventh rounder free agency. You you could trade. Well, I don't know what Trey Lance would be worth if you were to trade him at this point. Going into next year. Not what you gave up, I him. have no 
idea. Nope. Why it, it, it would it would have to be one of those things where each team, my like prediction for them would be wildly different based on which team it was, just because you have no idea what, what each franchise thinks of him. Be like I, the draft all over again. It would be it would be I don't know what you get for Trey Lance. I don't know. Jordan Love and Trey Lance are kind of the same person at this point. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they have. Jordan is a little bit older. He's been doing it longer. Watching football games, I mean. Um and so you 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 don't know what you're gonna get for either one of those guys, but I think that the Packers are going to have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers again next year, and Jordan Love is going to be a, a free agent going into the 2024 season. And Trey Lance is going to be watching some football yep. as Brock Purdy continues to lead this team in the right direction. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up four downs from the weekend in the NFL here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for four downs in the National Football League after the wild card round. CD with first down. Well, Randy, in the 80s, there was a movie called Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> and, and so I'm looking at what's going on in Baltimore, and I, I think it's Big Trouble in Baltimore. They, they are they are in a uh, – they're having a, a situation here with, with Lamar Jackson and his contract and and not being able to or not willing i guess to re-sign him up until this point. So Lamar reposted a, a tweet the other day and it says when you have something good you don't play with it, you don't take chances losing it, you don't neglect it. When you have something good you pour into it. You appreciate it because you take care of something good. That's good uh that good things take that good thing takes care of you too. And basically he's saying you all haven't taken care of me. I, I, I'm, I, I'm going into Lamar's mind, and I, I believe this is what he's saying. You all have not taken care of me. You have not paid me. I have gotten injured. I have played my butt off for you all. You all see the record when I'm not there. And, and now it's time again for us to revisit this contract situation. And I think there's going to be a, a, a level of frustration that we have not seen from a player in a long time if the Baltimore Ravens come and approach – Lamar Jackson with a, a a franchise tag as opposed to a a contract worth more than what Russell Wilson got, worth more than what um, uh, Kyler Murray got. I know they don't want to pay as much as what Deshaun Watson got because they're using that as an outlier. But until they decide that they're going to pay Lamar Jackson 180 million, 200 million guaranteed, Deshaun Watson got. 234 million mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. He may need to get right under that number. He's got an MVP under under his belt and this team does not function well when he's not playing football for them. And so you're going to have some big trouble in Baltimore if you don't figure this out quickly. And if you're the Ravens, if you're Eric DeCosta and Steve Biscotti and John Harbaugh and the last 2 years have occurred with his injuries, would you be less inclined to give him the guaranteed money? Because it seems like of all the quarterbacks in the league, if there's a guy that is going to lose his abilities because of an injury, it would be that guy. I agree, but where else are you going to go? I mean, we we just talked about it, you know, before the last break. You got quarterbacks that are sitting on the bench uh, um, and, and guys not able to play. This guy is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. When he's playing, when he's healthy, he's the ultimate game changer. He's the guy that that keeps 
defensive coordinators up at night. I was meeting with a with a coach the other day, and I said, Coach, what's the what what are the things that 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 give you fear? He's a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He pointed at the cue on the board. He said, if that guy can run. Coach, it gives us so much stress because it's an added blocker that they have in the run game. Now we're we're not everyone is accounted for. We don't have that free guy to make the tackle. Lamar Jackson does that for so many uh, opposing defenses. Keeps those DCs and head coaches up at night worrying how to game plan against them. It's going to be really an interesting approach by Baltimore because if you give him a, a five year contract, and he's still a young man. But if you give him a five-year contract and you take him into his 30s, Ken Stabler said, I've never seen an old running quarterback. No. No, you haven't. <laughs> but here's the thing. About, the thing that I love about Lamar Jackson, he can run, but he has one of the best arms. Yeah. He has some of the best arm talent in the NFL. So you have to find a fine line between getting him guys that can get open. When I'm watching these routes, Randy, I, I you're either coaching it or you're allowing mm-hmm. it. There should never be two people in the same area. And there are two to three people in the same area multiple times when you watch a Baltimore Ravens game. It is nauseating. As an offensive guy, it makes me want to throw up a little bit because it makes me sick. So either they're coaching them up that way or they're allowing those guys to continue to run the wrong routes and continue to play. They got to get someone in there to figure out how to get this offense going, the pass game going, guys running the right routes, and let Lamar be Lamar. Gary, it's happened for years with multiple receivers. It, well, then it's the coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is the coaches. It, it is. It, it has to be correct. Last year, Kurt Warner did a great breakdown of people who were taking shots at Lamar, yeah. and it's exactly what you're talking about. Who is he supposed to throw to when he's got two receivers within three yards of each other? Which means there's one guy that can cover both of them because mm-hmm. the window is, is – there is no window for the, the quarterback to fit the ball in. Second down. Kerry, I think we saw a passing of the torch among NFL quarterbacks this weekend. Of course, we saw Trevor Lawrence on Saturday night after his club was down 27-0 and he threw the four interceptions. He bounces back after they were down 27-0. He was 24 of 28 for 253 yards and four scores. Meanwhile, we think that Tom Brady is going to be, be able to bring his Tampa Bay Buccaneers back. And Brady goes 35 of 66 for 351, only 10 yards per completion, a couple of touchdowns, a key interception, got sacked a couple of times and just looked out of sorts. He looked like a 46-year-old man. And it seems to me that we reached a point last night where youth is going to be served and Trevor Lawrence is the guy, the the good-looking 6'5 guy that we're going to be looking at for the foreseeable future. I mean, he 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 was able to rebound from a one of the worst first halves I've ever seen in in professional football history. And Brady did that and, in a Super Bowl. And yeah, so I think that, you know, the thing about Trevor Lawrence, they just they're just going to keep building and keep building on what they have. They got a tough task this weekend on Saturday going into Kansas City. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a, a challenge. I don't know that he comes out of there clean, um, but if if somehow some way they were able to win that game, which you know I, I really don't think is possible, that would give you more of that idea. Okay, he is on the rise in terms of his play and what this team is going to be and how well they can can really be in this in this league. Third down, Randy. The New York Giants are another team that come seasons in are going to have to look at the quarterback position and decide, do we want to pay him or do we want to franchise him? And Daniel Jones, I I am 
extremely pleased with how well he's been performing this year. Brian Dable comes in, offers some stability mm-hmm. for that offense, offers some stability for that quarterback position, and you're looking at a guy that – the New York Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option going into this season. They said, you know, this is going to be on you. you got to figure it out whether or not you can play, at this, play in this league. And, and this is going to be a proven year. And Daniel Jones has come out night, week in and week out proving it, that he's able to play. You go into Minnesota, you have a great game. You, you said he was the first quarterback to have 300 yards passing, 70 yards rushing, and, and two touchdowns. In, 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 NFL, in NFL playoff history. That is a man that that he led the team in rushing last week as well. That is a man that is playing his butt off right now. And they still, the Giants still don't really have a number one receiver. So if you decide to go get a number one, although although Isaiah Hodgins does look like maybe he is that number one guy, um, if you go out and get him some guys that can do well in the past game also, I I like what this Giants team is going to do. And I think they're going to have to pay him. You're looking Mm -hmm. at a three- or four-year deal you know, upwards to 150, 180 million dollars. Where, if you'd have just franchised him, you'd have had. If you'd, if you'd have gave him that uh, that extra year, you'd have had him under contract for next year and not had to worry about this. I know the Giants fans love to hate on the Dave Gettleman era there mm-hmm. because they didn't take Micah Parsons and they did take Kadarius Tony, but they're looking pretty good with Jones and Saquon. They are. They they are, and and both of them are going to get paid. Fourth down. And, C.D., it wasn't too long ago that the must-see TV in the NFL, we saw it every single year, it seems like, was Brady versus Manning, right? Mm -hmm. If you're CBS and you are in the midst of this brand-new TV contract and you know that for the next seven or eight years, you're going to have battles between Mahomes, Herbert, Lawrence, Burrow, and Allen— Coming up on Sunday Night Football, it's Lawrence versus Burrow. Coming up on Monday Night Football, it's Mahomes versus Allen. Coming up on Sunday on Fox's Game of the Week, we're getting it because we need a good game. It's Herbert versus Allen. You're going to have one of those pretty much every single week with those five great quarterbacks in the AFC. It's The, the AFC quarterback play for the next decade is going to be bananas. It's going to be so good, and it's going to be so must-see TV. And by the way, I didn't even mention Lamar there. He's part of it, too. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think the AFC has so much talent right now at the quarterback position, and guys that I mean, you didn't mention Tua, who had a, mm-hmm. who up until he was injured was was talked about as potentially the MVP. You got a lot of talent in that AFC side where um, there are going to be some some battles for for some years to come, and it's going to be exciting to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun to see you know how well these teams can perform and and who really eventually comes out on top because it, it, it's. It's going to be a toss-up from week to week. We think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the guy, but he if he was in the NFC, Randy, I would say he would <laughs> they would walk to the, to the Super Bowl. He would be like what Tom Brady was during his career in the AFC. He would be walking to the Super Bowl or at least the NFC Championship game every single year. In this AFC, if he's able to outduel this quarterback competition, Whew, it, 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 he's going to go down as one of the greatest to ever do it. Okay, give me two of this group that in the 2028 season we're going to say that Week 7 matchup is the one that we can't miss from among Mahomes, Herbert, Lawrence, Burrow, Allen. I think it's Burrow and, and Mahomes. I do too. I think Burrow, Joe Burrow is... is Joe Montana. He's 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 kind of got this... this 
laser focused type of deal. He smiles, but he's kind of crazy eyed mm-hmm. looking like he he only cares about winning. And and that to me is what I want in my quarterback. And it will be. It will be that matchup. It, it, it could it's be amazing. The, the, the Joe Montana, John Elway type of, of, of you know, years and years of, of mm-hmm. playing against each other. It's going to be a an exciting matchup to watch those those guys. If you're looking at that 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 group of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. it reminds me maybe Josh Allen is is like the Dan Marino of that group, and and just the gunslinger, the arm, the the playmaker. Mm-hmm. You got Patrick Mahomes, and you got Joe Burrow, and then you got I mean you got Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Where you're you putting Trevor Lawrence into Tony Eason territory. territory <laughs> here. That's not a, so great. I want to put him in the Tony Eason territory, <laughs> but who that I mean that class that this class this group of quarterbacks is going to be fun to watch for for. For many years. It's going to be great. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That is four downs from the NFL. Coming up, if the Cardinals' what ifs don't work out, what's plan B? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The key for the St. Louis Cardinals, as you think about 2023, is really going to be who, who, who are we? And, and what I mean by that is, is what is Tyler O'Neill? What is Dylan Carlson? You know, what are we going to get out of Jack Flaherty? And if these guys perform to the expectations that we believe they're capable of, we think we're going to be a, a very talented and competitive and compelling team to watch. So, um, you know, these are, these are the, the bets we made, um, but we're certainly excited about the group we have. Um, obviously, we know we, we have a great core when you think about Goldie and Nolan, but it's it's really what's around that. That, of course, is the Cardinal Pobo, John Mozilla, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and I think even the most ardent supporters of the Cardinals, Kerry, would agree that the level of certainty for this club, and no team has 100% certainty, but the level of certainty for this club is probably limited to Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Edmund. After that, is there anybody you say, okay, I have a pretty good idea what that person's going to be at the end of the year. I'd hope Contreras, but we've seen so many guys in their first free agent year getting the big money that have struggled trying to live up to the contract. I would hope Contreras is on that list as well. And we talked about this, you know, I think last week where – the, the Cardinals were not, or maybe it was yesterday, we, the Cardinals were not as active as we would have wanted them to be in the free agent market. And, and I think a lot of that falls on the on the fact that they have stars if they're healthy. You got a guy in, in Tyler O'Neill who has been an MVP, a top 10 MVP finisher. And then you got a guy in Jack Flaherty who we all believe that if he's healthy, he's a, a potential Cy Young type of talent. And so when you have those type of guys already here, there may not be the necessity to go out and spend excessive amount of money and excessive amount of money to go get someone else because you're relying and you're banking on those guys being healthy and, and, and showing up and performing in the manner that they will. Now, I mean, it, it, it can go either way. You, you sign a big-time free agent, and he come here comes here and lays a dud, and now you're mm-hmm. saying, well, we spent a lot of money on someone, and he didn't perform to the level that he's performed this entire career. And so that's kind of the thing you run into when you have free agents or when you have guys that are coming off of injuries. Now, there's a big if here because it's a team that's built on pitching and defense, and there's no question that the Cardinals are are saying if Tyler O'Neill performs, if Dylan Carlson performs. But to me, you look at second base because you don't know what Nolan Gorman is at this point, and they brought up Brendan Donovan as a utility player. I didn't. They did. And right. so he hasn't been a guy that 
it, since college has had an everyday position. So if those guys struggle at second base, you've got a really good defensive player that you can move over to second base in Tommy Edmond, and that means that you play a really good defensive player like Paul DeYoung. We're, we're all confident what he does at short. It's uh, what he does in the batter's box. And uh, feedback right now, because he is working down in Jupiter daily, has been uh, extremely impressive or, or positive. You know, obviously, um, there's that saying, you know, some people are 5 o'clock hitters and some people are 7.15 hitters. So, um, in this case, we need him to be that 7.15 hitter. And, you know, I don't think you really know that until you start playing in games. But, um, to your point, he is going to get a lot of opportunity this spring. And, uh, you know, we're pretty optimistic with what we have. Well, Mr. Pobo, you might need to move those games up a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, got, yeah. If he's a 5 o'clock hitter, just move the games up a couple. Of, I know you're talking about batting practice, but if that's his his wheelhouse, it clear the stadium out no. and let's just play. <laughs> that is – it's not the best option no. for a plan B if – if indeed those second basemen don't work out. And and the fact that he's saying that to reporters lets you know that everyone in the clubhouse knows, bro, you're struggling. You have to figure this out if you want to continue. I mean, you're going to be here because of the salary. Uh, you're, you're getting paid $9, $9 million. million. You're going to be here because of your salary. But if you want to play other than late-inning situations where we need uh, uh, to make sure that we're sound and up the middle, you're not going to play if you can't hit. And um, it, it, it puts the Cardinals in a in a tough predicament if Brendan Donovan doesn't perform well, if Nolan Gorman, because there won't be any shift, if he can't move laterally mm-hmm. and, and get to balls that, that may be in the, in, the, you know, in the hole that maybe a better second baseman could get to, it puts you in a, in a tough position because now you have to sacrifice your defense you have to sacrifice offense for for trying to get some better defense out there. Now, what if O'Neill is what he was last year? What if Dylan Carlson is hurt again? What if Adam Wainwright all of a sudden starts looking like a 41-year-old rather than a 34-year-old in his prime? Then what do the Cardinals have? When you think about that roster, there are emerging stars coming. And, um, and that's not even really to start to dig into what we think we have at the minor league system or at the prospect level. But when you look at that prospect group, there are some younger players that are starting to put themselves on that major league radar. When you think about somebody like a Jordan Walker and what his impact might be, or Graceffo, McGreevy, to name a few. And so that's really what's going to go into to how we think about the 23 season unfolding. And so you guys might not share my same enthusiasm or optimism for this season, but I I, I promise you it's it's going to be a fun team to watch and and one that's going to be very competitive. Kerry, I can be excited about young players, but I can also understand that very rarely do you have a core of rookies that lead you to the playoffs or success in the playoffs. I, I, I can be very excited about watching Jordan Walker and Gordon Graceffo and Michael McGreevy, but also understand that with youth comes the inability at times to navigate September, which is a different sport, Mm -hmm. and October. It's very rare that you see frontline players, frontline rookies that are succeeding come playoff time. One thing that that, uh, my good friend Nate Washington always told me, he told me one time that that Jerome Bettis told him his rookie year. He said, there's a rookie somewhere in this league that's going to win a Super Bowl. So what that means is there's a rookie somewhere that's going to be on a team that's winning a Super Bowl. Same thing for for professional baseball, hockey, basketball. There's a rookie on a team that is going to win a championship. And so 
you don't have to be the 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 guy if you're the rookie on that team, but you got to be one of the guys, and and that means you got to be able to do your role, do your job, and and not be a guy that is 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 a hindrance to the ball club. But we can count on you in crucial and and, and important moments. And CD. Who was the World Series MVP, right? It was Jeremy, Jeremy Payne. Right. And did they have a rookie in center field? Yes, they did. You look at Philadelphia. They had a rookie starting at shortstop at a key position. I just hate counting on those guys. I'm yeah. not saying they can't do it. Yeah. I just hate counting on them to do it. Well, if you if you have guys that are often injured or not performing well, you got to give some guys, some, some other guys, some opportunities to see if they can. I mean... At, at what point do you say, well, hell, it can't be any worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably for the Cardinals, May. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're looking at it. Well, you guys, you know, we tried yeah. it. We gave them every opportunity. We can't be any worse with the young guys. Let's go ahead and get them in here and see what they can do. So they have some plan Bs. Let's see if they work out because they're definitely at some point going to need them with the injury and with ineffectiveness. Those guys, those plan Bs, whether it's DeYoung or the rookies, are going to have to perform. Take it or leave it is coming your way next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Just save that in your phone. It's 314-399-YOHO here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Time for Take It or Leave It CD. Have you driven up to Chicago over the last three, four years, five years? Uh, so, yeah. Seen uh, you all know the Brian Urlacher with hair billboards? I have seen those. Those are very intriguing. So uh, <laughs> Brian Urlacher, who has worked with a hair restoration company in Chicago, has filed suit against Houston Hair Transplant Center because... They used his personal hair transplant story in a post on their website without his permission. And it's not the company that he's been working with. Take it or leave it. If you had that situation, a story where you were getting hair restoration, you just let it lie. You don't need to file a lawsuit there. <laughs> you know, you leave it later. You just let it lie. I, I think, you know, he, he's he's steadfast in this company that has restored. Brian er- Erlacher didn't have any hair for no, a long he time. He was bald for his whole career. For his entire career. And then he showed up. Uh, I think when the guy knocked on his door for the Hall of Fame, he, he had a head full of hair. <laughs> really? Like, Amazing. Who are you? <laughs> I'm going to leave it, though, Randy. If someone is trying to, you know, get fame or credit off of what you your hard work you took a lot of hard work to grow that hair back and so yeah you want to make sure that no one else gets the credit for it other than the people that helped you probably a lot of pain went into that too yeah i don't i don't know how that works i mean here's my thing there are a lot of rich wealthy people in the world Mm -hmm. that are bald or balding um one place for the lakers and he (laughs) has not been able to find uh, uh, an alternative solution for for hair therapy. So I, I don't know how well how much pain goes into it. I, I don't know. That, that's text in. What is it? Three one four three nine 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 six four six nine six four six. Let us know if there's a, a recipe or a uh, how much pain is associated with 
growing one's hair back. I'm, I, I'm thinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would not mind having a head full of hair. I had a head full of hair at one point in my life. Uh-huh. And so I wouldn't mind growing, going back to that. I might grow my locks back if I can grow some hair. Urlacher uses Restore using its F-U-E method, its follicle <laughs> unit extraction. He shouldn't have done it. He looked so good, bald. You know, he looks weird with hair. You know how much more confident you see. You don't understand, right? You got a head the man's full of one hair of the best over here. Middle linebackers. You okay. have a head full of hair. You don't understand. Oh no, I understand what, the what people. Yeah, me, there you go. You run me. your Carrie, you run your Carrie, fingers through that my, hair and my pull confidence it back. level at twenty one <laughs> compared to my confidence level at twenty six when people started telling me I had good hair. Completely different. Go. Okay, one other question here for you guys. So, and this just struck me. We've all seen the billboards, right? Yes. And uh, they're using what's called. Follicle, follicular unit extraction. That means they're taking hair from elsewhere Ooh. in your body, put it in your head. Where are they taking it from? With him? <laughs> Seems pretty obvious. <laughs> Naturally curly. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'll pass. He <laughs> got extracted from there. I'm okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just be bald. <laughs> Would you trade your beard for a full head of hair, Carrie? Uh, it's a pretty sweet beard. So the beard compliments the ball when you have no hair on your head you got to have hair on your face yep. so yeah that's kind of where now if i had hair consequently if you have a lot of hair on top of your head you also need a beard that you could do that as well and then you just look like a nomad and just exactly. wander around <laughs> <laughs> all right ready take it or leave it hash browns are the king of breakfast food Oh man, I can't put them at the top. Yes, you can. Take it. Take it 100%. Are you going to Take it. Okay, you're given a choice for the rest of your life. Smothered and covered. You can <laughs> oh, sorry. You cannot have <laughs> You cannot have hash browns or you cannot have pancakes. Oh, I'm, uh, wait, can I still have waffles? No. No. It's only hash browns. I, I, I well, can't. I'm taking, I can't I'm taking have, hash browns. Keep, 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 no, keep pancakes waffles. and waffles out of here. Waffles, I'm taking hash browns. Listen, waffles because they you can make waffles at home. Like if you make uh, hash browns, you you they're, they're frozen, right? You you make hash browns from scratch sometimes. Oh, how long does that does that take? It doesn't take that long. You get a you get a regular like cheese grater. You grate the you grate the potato. Oh, that's way too much. With the cheesecloth, and you're on good. my on my Saturdays, I I can get up make and the frozen eggs, ones are bacon. fine. You just got to defrost them yeah, the night before. No. You put them in the fridge the night before. See, these are this is information that I'm not. I'm, I'm, big, not I'm a big hash brown guy. I, I appreciate big hash brown guy. But also, again, if you, if you ask me what, what my Waffle House order hash browns, it's smothered and covered, Randy. <laughs> smothered and covered. As long as it's sour cream, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> sour cream? No sour cream one. No, no thank you. Sour cream on hash browns is delicious. Oh, no. Really? That's great. Yeah. I mean, potatoes, ha- yeah, potatoes and sour cream always works. You know, uh, baked potato, potato yeah. loaded I, I fries. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Take it or leave it. The Patriots need to call Frank Reich and not hang up until he accepts the OC job. I'm going to leave that. Because there are other guys out there. They could get Bill O'Brien, who Belichick is familiar with. There's other offensive minds. They could get Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, who is maybe the Jets wouldn't let him go to New England. But he actually fits the skill sets that the Patriot offense possesses. I don't see anyone. I don't see um, Bill Belichick calling anyone until they pick up. <laughs> just, one ring might be sufficient. Yeah. All right, on to the next one. 
telling you, one of these days he's just going to hire a lacrosse coach and just not even care. He's just going to be like, yeah, uh, I just hired Navy's uh, head he lacrosse just, coach. He just hired two defense. He hired a defensive coordinator to call his offense. What, the man, the man's what difference does it make? Stuff. Take it or leave it. The dramatic spending in baseball, coupled with the potential collapse of regional sports networks, could trigger the end of the Cardinals' sustained success. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Absolutely, that could be the case. I'm, I'm going to leave that. I, I think the Cardinals will make a, a shift in philosophy and start spending more money to mm. keep. As I said, one of those guys is going to come a point where one of these players is going to be a $300 million player, and that's just what the market requires, and you're going to have to pay that to keep that player here. And it's going to be one of those we don't want to do it, but we got to do it type of deals. It's pulling at your heartstrings, and, you know, I don't know who that player is. I- I'm thinking it's going to be a Jordan Walker. but mm-hmm. Maybe know. Jack Flaherty. Maybe. Funny you, funny you say that. Take it or leave it. Jack Flaherty is today's Mark Pryor. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it. I'm just, I'm going to optimistically leave yeah, that Yeah, yeah, leave that. Also, not this, not really the same reason they, they got injured, is it? I mean, it's kind of kind of different yeah. scenarios. Didn't Mark Pryor get injured because he got overworked? I don't think Jack Flaherty ever really got to a point where he could be No, they both had shoulders, but no, he had, fair. yeah, Pryor was... He had a lot of physical issues because of what Dusty Baker did to him. Yeah, yeah, Flaherty hasn't ever had a, a chance to be overworked by 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 a manager yet. Right. And um, by the way, we get a text from the three one four. Not sold on Flaherty. Take three months out of twenty nineteen, and you have an average pitcher. Three months that can never be duplicated. I would suggest that you look at uh, the first couple of months of twenty twenty one, when he got hurt on Memorial Day. He was the best pitcher in the National League. When um, Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood were together, were that that just uh, uh, like those two together were were fantastic? They were fantastic. Like yeah. like on the would you say on the level of of a Maddox Glavin Smoltz could have been mm-hmm. that that trajectory yeah. had had injuries not taken hold of them. I think that's a great comp. Yeah, yeah. I think that like, those two were. If they if you get five years, oh three oh four oh five oh six oh seven with those guys. The Cubs would have been good for the whole yeah. time. Uh, we got a text here. This isn't Teolia. It just says somebody says, Hash Browns are trash. All opinions from Rock are now questionable. Buddy, where you been for the last like where, two weeks? This is the, two weeks. We we oh, this goes back. This goes back to me. Yeah, this goes back to mac and cheese, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, where you where you been since November, my friend? Yeah. Been throwing out questionable takes here for three two months now. Come on now. By the way, we Keep need up. to get in. Did uh, anybody uh have we put on the air the uh Deshaun Watson text yet? Uh, no. Okay. I hadn't found a. I, I hadn't found a reason yet. <laughs> Put it on now because we can. Right now. Why not? Uh, we. I gotta find it now. He said there was a texter that said that since we didn't have um, Deshaun. Deshaun Watson in our quarterback talk, it was rubbing them the wrong way. <laughs> Unbelievable. You Take, people. You guys. I just can't believe. Yeah, can't Randy. Believe. Where do they get it? Where do they get it from? <laughs> take it or leave it. I got Tink Hens autograph over the weekend. I'm be pretty happy about that in ten years. Take it. Take that. A name Tink. Like Tink you name. got. I mean, there, there's like all all star names, and and when you have one of those names, you you gotta. Tink Winky Wright is another one I like. The <laughs> yeah. boxer. Winky Wright. Winky Wright is a. I mean, hey. <laughs> You gotta. I miss. I know. Again, we, we talk about nicknames a lot on the show, but any nickname that kind of sounds like he could have been working for Al Capone, I'm here. I'm here for it. your name's Tink. There you it go. It kind of sounds like you're a gangster from from Chicago a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm with it. I'm His uh, full name, by the way, is Markevian. 
Tink hence. Hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an old, that's an old, that's an, you know, that's a, that's a name from the old country, as they would say back in the 1930s. M-A-R-K-E-V, M-A-R-K-E-V-I-A-N, Markevian hence. Markevian. <laughs> One time, there was Markevian's a, an awesome name. There, there was a, uh, th- and we'll, I promise, we're going to get to, uh, <laughs> what do we got? Oh, uh, the veteran lefty bat thing in a second. But I got to tell you this one. Used to be a pitcher in the... For the Astros. His name was Mark Lemangelo. You can look oh! him up. He's truly on the baseball reference. Mark Lemangelo was his name. Really? And Jack's doing a broadcast. Lemangelo is the starting pitcher. This is in the 70s. He said, Lemangelo's got a brother with the same name as Bostock from the Angels. Name is Lyman Lemangelo. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, that's great stuff. But this doesn't happen in baseball broadcasts anymore. Uh, Carrie, Matthew, Randy. <laughs> Coming up next, how do the Cardinals not wind up with a veteran lefty bat? We'll tell you who it was that they were pursuing and what happened next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. got a shiny nose. Shiny? I'd even say it glow. We were in some negotiations that uh, obviously uh, when you think about negotiations, right, the proxy when you get something where you win is um, probably the highest bidder or you were more attractive or or something. I do think like like one of the things we were looking for was was a a left-handed bat, a veteran bat, Um, but I don't think we were a very compelling team to come to because... When you, when you look at our roster, there is competition for who that might be. And I think some people just did not find that all that interesting. And, and so, you know, typically in negotiations, it really comes down to sort of money and years. But there's also that factor of, of you know, how do I fit in as that player? And so I think we were having a hard time really convincing that this was, you know, an impactful type role given the competition we have. That is John Moselock over the weekend at the Cardinals winter warm-up talking about not getting a left-handed bat. And you heard Rudolph's dad because, CD, to me, this is incredibly obvious. When Mo is saying that, there is a uh, shiny red nose right in front of someone uh, in, this player. Someone in particular <clears throat> yeah. that he was speaking of. Yeah, because the Cardinals weren't in on Brandon Belt, who signed a one-year contract with the Jays, and it's a one-year $9.3 million deal. Mm-hmm. But he just signed at the end, and $9.3 million is certainly manageable for the Cardinals. But Brandon Belt, he could have been a left-handed DH. He could have been a guy that, that played for the Cardinals, but he's not really at this stage of his career a left-handed bat that you count on. Michael Conforto. Okay, mm-hmm. my... It, it, one of the rules that I have here is that if a guy is concerned about playing time, he's not on a one-year contract. Okay. Okay. If he signs a two-year contract like Michael Conforto did, right. got his money, he's got his years, he's not worried about how many at-bats he's getting. Michael Brantley went back to Houston. He just signed last week. Mm-hmm. So if the Cardinals were in on him, he, he'll get the same amount of at-bats probably with the Cardinals that he would have gotten with Houston. He was out almost all last season, though. He just doesn't fit the Cardinal profile. Matt Carpenter, 
Uh, was Matt Carpenter going to be worried about how much playing time he got in St. Louis under Ollie Marmol if so. the Cardinals were in? And by the way, if he was as a backup first baseman and knowing the Cardinal left-handed young hitters like Donovan, like Newt Barr, like Alec Burleson, uh, like Gorman, is he going to be a guy that battles against those guys. He, he knows he's not. So I'm throwing Matt Carpenter out of this list. Dominic Smith, yeah, no. I, I just don't see him as a guy that would have been an impact left-handed bat for the Cardinals. The one guy that stands out that took a one-year prove-it deal that was really concerned about how much playing time he was going to get mm-hmm. was Cody Bellinger. Yeah. All right? Cody Bellinger is a good left-handed hitter, good solid left-handed bat, would have been uh, a guy that the Cardinals could not have provided a guarantee for because they have Carlson and they like him. They have O'Neill and they like him. They have Newtbar and they're going to play right. Lars Newtbar. And Cody Bellinger wants to play the outfield because that's how he's going to reestablish his value. For me, the only left-handed hitter on the market that would have fit the profile of what Mo is talking about is Cody Bellinger. Well, yeah, especially since some of those guys didn't get signed until January. Right, so they right. they were still available um, to be signed. If you're Cody Bellinger, if he got a seventeen million dollar deal, is seventeen that for one and year? a half, yeah. seventeen and a half. If you're getting paid seventeen million and a half, you're probably playing every day. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yes, that, I and mean, especially since the Cubs had the opening. Right, but even if you were here, if the Cardinals were to give him 17, 17 and a half, you don't think he's an everyday player? They if, gave if Matt healthy, Carpenter eighteen million. Yeah, but he and he was he, healthy. He just couldn't hit anymore. Yeah, he, he couldn't hit. So he, Bellinger he was, has a year that he had two years ago. He's sitting. Right. He but. But he would he would give he would have gotten all of the opportunities to prove that and and no matter where he, even in, in Chicago if he proves that he's thinking it up he's not going to get the deal that he's looking right, for right. going forward so I I think that well first of all I think if if that was an option for between the Cardinals and the Cubs I would have I would have obviously liked him to choose the Cardinals because I think there's there's more there for him to to be surrounded by and and more opportunities there um, but. I think that Mo is letting you know that we did actually attempt to sign that left-handed bat that we talked about. And at the end of the day, it all boils down to we have to trust the guys that are here because we know when healthy they have done it at a high level. And so if they are healthy again, then we're not even having this conversation about the left-handed bat that we didn't get because our guys are performing at the level that we we need them to and we expect them to. And I would guess that what the Cardinals did is said, look, we've got – a center fielder that against left-handed pitching or against right-handed pitching as a left-handed hitter has a 686 career OPS, Dylan Carlson. He's a 225 career hitter with a 307 on base, a 380 slug against uh, right-handed pitchers. But against lefties, which Cody Bellinger won't have to play against, he's got an 869 OPS. So, Cody, what we want you to do is play against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. When Dylan Carlson is sitting against uh, right-handers, and so uh, my guess would be Bellinger probably said, "You know what? I'd rather go play and hit against left-handers every day in Chicago, yeah. because I'm not going to get that opportunity in St. Louis." That, yeah. That'd be my guess. I, I, that, I can see that. Um, but if you're, like I said, if you're Cody Bellinger, don't you want to be in a in a in a lineup that offers you <laughs> Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt? Wilson Contreras, doesn't that provide more protection for you as a hitter, knowing that you're going to get 
premium pitches to hit. You do if, get premium if those pitches. Those guys to hit. are behind you, but it's much easier, much easier to hit the ball out of Wrigley Field than it is this Bush is Stadium. <laughs> this so is true, regardless of the pitches that you're seeing. <laughs> I, I I agree with you there. Yeah. So that's the guy. Mo might not tell us, but Cody Bellinger was their guy that they didn't get because. Cardinals couldn't guarantee him playing time. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey with our buddy Darren Pang. He's coming your way next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Gary Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN on the morning after the Blues came away from their game against Ottawa with a 2-1 victory. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and joining us, Blues analyst from Valley Sports Midwest, Darren Pang and Brucey. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Well, good morning to you both. Yeah, Brucey and I are going for a nice walk. And the minute I just mentioned his name, he peeked up here, he tilted his head, he looked up at me like, I guess I'm going to be on the radio again this morning. That's what he just said. <laughs> okay, Panger, because you are an old-school hockey guy, how'd you like it when uh, Jake Neighbors dropped the gloves last night? You know, I'm glad you said that because I went back home after the game and I watched it again. Um, as you know, being between the benches, sometimes you, you know you just can't see everything develop the way you would up, up in the booth, and that's that's probably the only negative about being down there. But, um, you know, after I did the interview with them on the bench and – he mentioned that Noel Achari just got drilled. I, I, I thought it was the previous hit. I mean, it was instantaneous. When, when Achari got hit right in the slot, I mean, he didn't even hesitate. That, that's old school right there. And uh, I, 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 quite frankly, I, I love that. I, I, think, I think we could use a little bit more of that gumption, especially on home ice where the home record is not, you know, it's not favorable. It's not good enough. And, and, and they've got a, a nice little run here where there's a lot of games still left, and, you know, especially on this, uh, on this uh, homestand here, but I mean, I, everybody saw that. I mean, there was nobody sitting down in the stands. The energy was high. It's uh, it's two guys in the same weight class. Um, it's you know the fights are a direct result of something that neighbors doesn't like during the game. And in fact, during uh, the first period, I, I had mentioned several times that both those players were jarring back and forth. Um, and same with Nathan Walker. So uh, so there was already sort of a, a little bit of animosity brewing right there. And and instead of not doing anything about it, I love the fact that Jake Neighbors did something about it. And and uh, you know, and then he he scores a goal. He gets in a fight. He has a breakaway after that. I mean, he was a a significant contributor to last night's win. Yeah, I, when I saw that happen, I, I got excited because that's the one thing. You know, I don't I don't necessarily if they want to fight, fight. But the, it, I like guys sticking up for their teammates. And and to me, when that happens, that that brings a team together. And I know that's something that Barubi has been talking about as well. Just guys standing for one another and fighting for one another. You know, both literally and and uh, metaphorically, just fighting for one another on that on that hockey rink on that ice. Is that is that yeah. something that can help this team go forward and and really gel and become better night in and night out? Well, Kerry, there's there's no question that that hockey players to me that look the other way, um, you're in a scrum and they just kind of 
whoa, la, 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 I didn't see that, and they skate the other way, are, are not my cup of tea. Yes. Uh, I just say that. I mean, I think you have to have awareness in any sport you're playing, what is going on around you? What is the surroundings? What is happening? Um, who's doing what on the ice? I mean, that's, that's hockey sense as well, or, or just have an athletic sense, no matter what sport you're playing. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to say that this team is going to stand up and, and scrap every single night. That's just not the makeup of this team. But, but when something happens and you've got a chance to step up, and, and by the way, that player was running around and, you know, he was banging some bodies too. You know, he was trying his best. He's, a, you know, he's only played 41 games in the NHL and he's, he's, he's trying to make the Ottawa Senators. He's trying to stay in the lineup. So he's doing, you know, what you like to see in a player. But I, I just, I just like the fact that Jake neighbors observes it. And, you know, the, the more you watch Jake neighbors, the more you understand that, you know, four years in the, you know, Western Hockey League and going all the way to a Memorial Cup final, um, you know, you understand the nuances of the game. And if you don't, you wouldn't have lasted that long and you wouldn't have been a first-round draft pick. So very excited for Jake. He's taken advantage of an opportunity. You know, when I, I remember being recalled in 1984. That's a long time ago, but <laughs> I, I probably had eight or nine veterans pat me on the back and say, Slam the door behind you, kid. Don't let anybody else back in. And, and it's a saying that still stays true to this day. I mean, Kerry, you probably said it to a bunch of young players growing up. Like, don't let somebody else take your job. You, right. you, just, walked in, you just walked in the door. Shut the door behind you and, and, and give them no reasons or no excuses to send you down to the American Hockey League again. And I think Jake Neighbors has taken advantage of this opportunity. Hey, my uh, my good friend Najee Davenport told me if the door opens, you gotta got you gotta get in. Uh, when I became the starting fullback, he said, "You know, CD, I told you to just slide in the door. I didn't tell you to kick the whole door down." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like I like the fact that you kicked the whole door down. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, Darren Pang with us on 101 ESPN. Panger, how unusual in this day and age is the year that Jordan Biddington is having because. If somebody doesn't watch him play and looks at the numbers, they say, boy, he's having a bad year. And that, If you looked at numbers from the 90s with Curtis Joseph, Grant Fewer, and the, the goals against that they had, you'd say, man, it's not that great. But we know what they were dealing with. How unusual is what Bennington, you, you watch the league, you see every team. How unusual is what he's dealing with? Well, I, I think the majority of the run that he's had, like this year um, and especially recently, I think he's faced more high high end danger chances, high quality chances from the slot than he did in that entire run of January, February, and March when the Blues won the cup. And you know, going back to that that time, and and by the way, that record that they had, you know, started in January or January sixth, you know, back in nineteen, you know, is very similar to what they have right now. Um, but what they did after that was incredible. What only losing six games the the rest of the way, but this. The, the reason why they had that success, Randy, is because they kept everything to the outside. I, I mean, the, like not, I'm not saying every single chance was from the outside, but by and large, the forwards pushed to the outside. The defensemen boxed out and made sure that nobody got to the inside on Bennington. They basically said to him, you take the shot from the outside, you cover the rebound, and we'll cross-check somebody in the, in the chest or the teeth and get them out of your way. How's that sound? And... Uh, I, I mean, I, I succinctly remember, you know, saying it and talking to Jordan and talking to Jake Allen about, boy, this must be nice for you guys, the way that they're playing. And, 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 and again, you still have to sprinkle in a great save every now and then. But even last night, 
like there was a number of pretty good chances in that first period. We, we showed it on Valley Sports, and and our production crew did a you know wonderful job of picking up everything from the slot, beginning with Brady Kachuk's first opportunity right in the middle of the ice. And Bennington had to make a great shoulder save on that one. So I would have to say that that's the area that's got to get tightened up. And I, I know it's getting better, but still, uh, the Ottawa Senators, they went to that, that area and they ended up scoring the only goal by Stutzla right from the slot. And they had, I would have to say, just, I would have to say they had 12 pretty good chances right in that area. Hey, Pang, there was a play right in front of the net. Right in front of the net. I don't know if it was Letty or Falk, uh, where he just lifted the the senator's stick up and and got his stick off the ice and not allowed him to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. tip the puck in. Do you prefer guys not right in front of you if you're the goaltender? Do you want guys moved out of the way? Or are you okay with what what that when that play happened? Just the the defenseman getting the stick off the ice and not allowing the tip in. Well, if I'm not mistaken, that was the Brady Kachuk situation where he put his 245 uh, pound rear end right in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right in Falk. I don't think Falk's going to move that anyway. I got you. So in that in that situation, Terry, I don't want the defenseman getting into such a heavy battle that now he's maybe going to trip over over Brady Kachuk. He's going to end up in my crease, or, or you know, I I watched Justin Falk's. His his eyes were good there. He was watching the puck. He wasn't wasting energy. He was waiting for them to release mm-hmm. the puck. And once they did towards Brady, then he lifted Brady's stick. I, I thought that was really smart. The only bad luck was it hit his leg and nearly yep. went in the net. Yep. But but other other than that, listen, Terry, if, if you're like a guy like Colton Prey goes 235 pounds and 6'6", and I think if he was in that position, I would like him to be there first. And then, you know, then you start the box out and, and more of the cross-check and the physicality. But if the player gets there first, Man, that's not a whole lot of real estate you're dealing with right there. So now you've got to show some really good hockey intelligence right there, like like Falk did in that situation. But that last scrum where you saw Brady and, and Colton Pareko, listen, I know that's not a comfortable position for for Colton. He's you know that's that's not his makeup. But I loved it, and I that was that was two big boys going at it right there, and. There, there's another level of that from Colton, I think, that we can see. And by the way, on Thursday night, the Blues will have to continue to be physical, right? Nashville is about as physical as a team as there is in the league. Absolutely. They, they play a hard game, and the games between the Blues and, and the Predators are always phenomenal games for me. So, yes, every single line has got to be ready. They, they've, they've, they've basically got to have their head up at all times, and they've got defensemen that jump into the play. I mean, Roman Yossi's certainly one of the very best in the league at that. So that'll be a big test. But, you know, you, you beat Ottawa that played – I thought Ottawa played an excellent game last night, and I think they're a team of the future in the NHL. But, you, you know, you, you, you win that game, then you win on Thursday. Now the confidence just changed a little bit from what we saw in the last two games prior to last night's game. Hey, Panger, I want to uh, ask you about something that BK and Ferrario were talking about yesterday. Everybody wants a north-south game, and it, it just makes sense. But is it reasonable – if everybody is healthy, to ask Thomas and Buchnevich and Kairou to play the same kind of game that you ask Ryan O'Reilly and, and Brandon Saad and Tarasenko to play, stylistically, it just seems like they almost have to be different. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think you're – you don't want to take the great skill and the great mind and the great vision of those players and and make them a bunch of plugs. You know, mm-hmm. And I don't mean that by – dumping pucks in or plugs, but here, here's the difference. And last night it was a two one hockey game. You're in, you're entering the, the neutral zone. You haven't had much success on the rush all game. In fact, they haven't had much success on the rush for probably the last half dozen games. So the other teams are doing a great job against 
those three creative players, and that's why I, I'm sure that's why Craig Berube broke them up and, and took off Uchnevich on you know and put on Barbashev at, at some point during the second period. But even last night, I said, listen. It, you have to flip the puck in. I know it goes against their mentality, and Robert Thomas has it, and he wants to make a play. You can see he wants to make a play. Everybody on the bench is saying, get the puck in deep. <laughs> Everybody, um, including me between the benches, <laughs> get the puck in deep. This is not the time to go east-west and go along the blue line and try to make them the fanciest of all heel-to-toe saucer passes. And, you know, that's managing the game and the score of the game. Now, if you're down 3-1, to one, six minutes to go, you're having a hard time generating an offense, well, maybe that's the time to, you know, that you make a play that could create a two-on-one break or a breakaway, uh, but not when you're leading two-to-one and you're trying to manage the score and the clock. Listen, the great Bobby Plager used to walk around downstairs, and, and we would talk about a lot of different things. We'd talk about, you know, holding the lines, closing the gaps, but he, he'd said it more than, I don't know, 5,000 times. You gotta play the clock. Yep. You gotta play the clock. The clock and is the your clock coach, right? The, that's right. And the mm-hmm. clock doesn't lie. And there was two minutes left when when Robert Thomas looked around and there was nothing there because the the blue line was taken, you know, it was taken over by Ottawa. Flip the puck in and live to fight another day. And I I think those mantras from the older players, you know, like Scotty Bowman and Al Arbor and and and, and Bob and Barkley Plager, they stay true to this day. They haven't gone away. Hey, does Brucey have a uh, blues leash and collar? Well, no, right now he doesn't, actually. He's he's having a good old time here, though, boy. There's a lot of sniffing to go around here this morning. He's, you know, the early the early, the early early dog catches the sniffs in the morning, I think. <laughs> no doubt about it. Panger, safe travels. Uh, who do you got tomorrow? I am in San Jose, leaving this afternoon. I got the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks. Okay. Tomorrow night on the late game, yeah. Good. Dallas well, is a team that we need to scout. Yes, that's, they, they're a good team, boy. They're a really good team all the way around. And uh, um, Jamie Rivers is going to do the game on Thursday. I cannot get back on my private jet with 220 of my <laughs> closest friends. <laughs> all right. Panger, have a great day. Thanks so much for the time. Okay, thanks, guys. You too. See you. Bye-bye. Darren Pang, Blues Analyst on Bally Sports and on TNT tomorrow from San Jose with San Jose and Dallas. Good to have him with us on the opening drive. Next up, we've got the fight. Do we have a fighter? We got a lot of text in here, so I think we're going to be good. Good. We've got a fighter coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Tim. Tim, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing well. Are you Are you ready? Have you been training, preparing for this moment? I do what I can. I listen every day. I'm ready as I can. All right. So, so when you're in your car or or, or listening on the app, are you usually yeah. what What is your percentage of, of questions that you answer correctly? Some days are tougher than others, you know. Some days you don't feel as confident coming down to the answers, but I'd say for the most part, I'd say three out of four is not bad. Three but out of four is not gotta bad. Got to be four out of four facing Randy. Yeah, you, that usually helps. So we'll we'll, we'll we'll try to take it a little easy on you, Tim. We'll see how well you do today. 
I appreciate it. All right, here we go. Who led the 1992 Dream Team in scoring at the Olympics? Was it Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, or Charles Barkley? Wow, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dark horse and say Malone. Jordan and Barkley are too easy. Number two today, the Expansion Blues played in 46 playoff games in their first three years in existence, making it to the Stanley Cup final th- all three times. Across those three playoff runs, which goalie started the majority of the games with 27? Was that Glenn Hall, Jacques Plant, or Ernie Wakely? I'm going to go Glenn Hall. All right, Tim, the NFL last realigned its divisions prior to which season? 2000? 2002 or 2004? 2004. All right, and happy birthday to former Cardinal Mark Mark Little. Who did future Cardinals manager Whitey Herzog trade Little to the Cardinals for in the 1977 offseason? Was it Eric Rasmussen, John Curtis, or Al Roboski? Can you say the year again? It was in the 1977 offseason. Rubowski from the Royals, I'm going to say. All right, we'll double-check our score, and then we will bring in Randy Carricker. How you feeling, Tim? Uh, we'll see. Can't be too confident. Don't want to be too confident. Don't want to overshoot your no. shot. I understand. Sometimes no. you being confident, being humble, is a fine line between you know being cocky, being humble, and, and just showing that confidence that, that allows you to believe that you can take on Mega Mind today. You get too confident, and then you miss four extra points. <laughs> This is true. It happens. <laughs> it happens every now and then that you you yeah. get, you you can like uh, last night. You get you get it uh you get it you get too confident and as as he said Randy he don't want to get too confident because then you miss four extra points. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. That does happen. Randy, say hello to Tim. Tim, good morning. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Yes. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Okay. Who led the 1992 Dream Team in scoring at the Olympics? Okay. I believe he also may have led that team in fouls, including an elbow against an Angolan guy. I think it was the round mound of rebound. I think it was Charles. I'm going to go with Charles Barkley. All right, Randy, the Expansion Blues played in 46 playoff games in their first three years in existence, making it to the Stanley Cup Final all three times. Mm -hmm. Across those three playoff runs, which goalie started the majority of games with 27? Over a three-year period in the playoffs, what goalie would have led the Blues? Was it Mr. Goalie? I'm going to go because he was the MVP in one of those I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Goalie, Glenn Hall. All right, Randy. The NFL last realigned its divisions prior to which season? The NFL? The NFL. NFL. Prior to which season? Okay, so in 99, the Rams played in an NFC East that included, obviously, Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans, and uh, San Francisco. They also played in that division in 2000. In 2001, was it the same division? I believe it was. Um, 
But by the time 2003 arrived, they were not in the same division as Carolina. So we're doing 01 or 02. Let me think about this. We ha- Okay. 2001, we played New Orleans twice. In 2002, did we play New Orleans twice? I don't believe we did. 02. I think 02 is what I am going to go with. I think the 2002 season would be realignment season. We're going to need your help on this one because I had trouble finding it last night. Happy birthday to former Cardinal Mark. Is it Littell or Little? Littell. I thought it was Littell. I knew it. Uh, Mark Littell. Late, found, late great Mark Littell. I found an interview with him where a guy did not refer to him as by his last name for an hour. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Mark Littell. <laughs> Who did future Cardinals general manager Whitey Herzog trade Littell to the Cardinals for in the 1977 offseason? It was uh, the mad Hungarian, El Roboski. I got to sit with him. At the Mad Hungarian? Uh, yeah, he's at the Pujols Family Foundation. Good guy. He's a really good guy. One of the all-time really yep. good guys. Is that your final answer? Uh, yes, it <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> Al Roboski sure. to the Royals okay. for Mark Littell. Usually when we jump into the I history, that usually yeah. means final answer. Um, <laughs> just, you know, just Make sure we get that clarified kind of so I don't standard. get attacked on the text line. <laughs> kind of a standard bear there. <laughs> yeah. This was another record breaker for Randy Carricker because, again, 17th, of January, 18th would be win two, 19th would then be the Hall of Fame win, which is exactly a year from the last time a Hall of Famer beat Randy Carricker. So, Tim, is he going to get in there as potentially the first winner of 2023 and the first Hall of Famer since early, early 2022? Or does Randy Carricker keep rolling on? Ring that bell. Come on, ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. And you heard the sounder there, so I'm sorry, Tim. Randy Carricker got all four, and that unfortunately means he did win today. It was a close one, but Randy just gets you with that fourth question correct. Sorry about that one, Tim. That's all right. That's why he's the mega mind. Exactly. Let's go through those answers in case you didn't hear them all. Who led the 1992 Dream Team in scoring at the Olympics? It was Charles Barkley. He scored 18 points per game. He had the only 30-point game for the Olympic team. But if you guys really want to know, because this is how you guys are, the semifinal game and then the gold medal game, the leading scorer for the Olympic team? Michael Jordan. Uh, 22 points and 21 points, respectively. Uh, the Expansion Blues played 46 he playoff games. He didn't lose games. when the chips were down. And no, he did not. He did not. <laughs> they weren't, I mean, they, they won by <laughs> like 42 and 30 points <laughs> in those respective games. The Expansion Blues the played in 46 <laughs> playoff games in their first three years in existence, making it to the Stanley Cup final all three times. Glenn Hall started 27 of those games. Jacques Plant had about uh, 15, I believe, um, of those games started as well. And the NFL last, last realized realigned its divisions prior to which season. That was 2002 when the Houston Texans were added to the NFL and obviously broke down to their current alignment across the four divisions and two conferences. And former Cardinal Mark Littell, who did future Cardinals general manager Herzog trade Littell to the Cardinals for in 1977? He packaged Buck Martinez and Littell for Cardinals closer Al Roboski. So a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for playing. Yep, have a good one, guys.
What do you want more? It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> is that Earth, Wind, and Fire cooling the gang in there? Uh, is that Earth, Wind, and Fire? Uh, which one? Uh, it's, it's too hot? Uh, too, I think it's Casey and the Sunshine. Yeah. Casey and the Sunshine, yeah. baby. There we go. That's even better. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> we, 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 Randy, you have been on a hot street. You've been on a heater. He, 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 gets on, he gets on these heaters. You've been on a heater. He gets on and these I think the only thing that can stop you is a how many touchdowns did. Um... Son of a. No. <laughs> Carry... no go ahead. Go ahead. Get... Let's do it. Come on, give it to me. Uh, how many touchdowns did Braybrick score in his in his offensive touchdowns? Who? Bray, Braybrick. The, the Braybrick. Yeah, Mike, Matt Braybrick. Mike Braybrick. Ten. I think it's thirteen. Oh, okay. In his in his in his in offensive NFL. touchdowns in oh, his okay. NFL. Mike okay. Harry has to bring up just maybe it's ten in the postseason or something like that. How One many touchdowns was it? I think I think it was ten in the postseason. Oh, he was actually. high. God, Randy, he was, you were you. I've never seen you. I you, think you that's. Were, I think that's the who question. Knows that? I think that's the question. <laughs> I think that's the question I wrote that Randy liked the least. Not counting tiebreakers because there's been some tiebreakers he was not a fan of, like the one about the uh, first ever women's golf tournament. Nah. That, one, that one was that was back in the day when I was still when I was early here, and Randy was not a fan of that one. Yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> we got to add some soccer questions for 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 Randy because he's clearly oh, yeah. I'm gonna he's, I'm gonna dip my toe in that risk. Yeah, yeah. He's our, uh, hunter, hunter, yeah. Uh, soccer aficionado. Yeah. Yeah. Here. He won the first MLS Cup and stuff like there that. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not something that's gonna get me raked over the coals for the expansion team. Oh God, don't don't tempt me. I'm gonna I'm gonna fall into that. It's gonna be good, clean fun here. This is the definition of setting me up for failure. Well, I mean, we got it. The, the texters are saying it's too easy for Randy now. We got to find something that is well, people. He just has a a wealth of knowledge as it pertains to sports. What? what? Now, what if we were to ask him, what do you want from me? Something historical? <laughs> you, you said you would be. History is not your your. Not my strong suit. In fact, right. no. in fact no. I didn't get a full braining, but I got a side eye when I even threw in the Tim Hortons one from last week when I, I asked okay him with that. When I asked him about a, oh. a coffee magnet and hockey, there were only uh, look. There were only two choices in my mind for that. I have no problem with that. Okay, no, Tim okay. Hortons is fair enough. Something that we should all know. I just I, got it. I wrong. learned it last I, week. I, got I, it wrong. I also go. learned they're called Tim's bits. See? Yeah, how about Learned that? Something new every day. Yeah. Duncan. By the way. <laughs> Two things. Number love, one, love uh, our, our Duncan friends, because Duncan is great. It is. Uh, there's a, a spot open. Used to be a Taco Bell on Dorset and McKelvey. Go there and come to Creve Corps. Mm-hmm. Dunkin Donuts. And I know Creve Corps can be a hassle and getting drive throughs and stuff like that. But just go over. Dunkin Donuts right next door where there, there used to be a fresh market. It's been empty for like five or six years. Tear that sucker down and build a Dunkin. No, I'm, I'm with you. There you, you know. go. Just we got too much empty it. stuff. You know, the residents of Creve Corps didn't want a uh, quick trip. Really? Uh, on Olive. Yeah. Why not? Uh, they don't like business. <laughs> but, um, they, so. They voted against it? Yeah, they, they <laughs> shot that sucker down. They don't like business. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, at least that kind of business. Yeah, when I think Creve Corps, I think no capitalists. Mm. Oh. <laughs> There's a lot of empty buildings in Creve Corps. A lot of vacant buildings in Creve Corps. Now, I love Creve Corps because I work here. Right. But I'm just saying. It is what it is. The fact of the matter is, yeah, it is what it, it is. It is what it is. You can't, can't disagree. <laughs> I mean, it, we can't. Dis- People like to disagree with facts. It's not easy. Hey, how much did we like Jake Neighbors getting in a fight last night? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Oh, 
couple guys were uh, teasing me a bit about that, but uh, you know, obviously uh, it was a good night for the team, and uh, you know, I think just didn't like the way Cookie went down there, and uh, you know, someone who steps up for their teammates. That's Jake Neighbors, Blues forward, who got into a little scrap last night as the Blues came away with a 2-1 victory over the Ottawa Senators. And Kerry, the Blues needed that. And he almost had a Gordie Hall hat trick. There were a couple of opportunities where he had to put the puck on somebody else's stick and get the assist, but getting a goal in a fight, Two-thirds of the Gordie Howe hat-trick is a good thing, and the Blues needed a fight. They did. They needed someone, and I've been saying, saying this for, I think, the last few weeks, that they need some physical presence, someone that is you know, unafraid to protect their guys, unafraid to stand up for themselves and for their teammates. And, Randy, the thing about when you have guys that are 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 guys that are willing to step in front and, and kind of take charge or take the lead in that manner – Everyone else has has level of respect goes up for you. If you see your teammate getting knocked down and you're the first one there, I I, I mean he went directly to him, dropped the gloves like we're doing this now. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna hit my guy, and that's not only a message to to the player that he's fighting, but to the rest of the, to the to the rest of the opposing team. This is who we are. We're not going to allow you to take shots on our guys, and you can get punched in the face if you do. And that, to me, is what <laughs> you should be doing in hockey when guys are, are taking shots at your at your guys. It's one of the tried-and-true methods to provide a deterrent from people that want to take liberties with your opponents. And it's one of the things that's gone away from the game. It used to be that every single team had that guy that was a deterrent. Mm-hmm. And... You talk about it all the time. So often, players take liberties, especially with the Blue Stars, and there is no deterrent on right. hand, right? right? And there is nobody to step up and say, no, you can't do that to my teammates. So it was great to see Jake Neighbors do it. I wish more Blues actually would get involved in that aspect of the game. And you don't even have to fight a guy, yeah. but you just have to bump him, jar mm-hmm. him, make sure that you realize what he just did. Well, and and like I said, it's, it's something that is important for for physical sports, you know, contact sports, sports where people are running into each other and in each other's space often. You even in basketball, sometimes you have to set a a hard screen to let someone mm-hmm. know, "Hey, you're getting a little too handsy with our guy. You know, we're going to set this screen. Maybe it's an offensive foul, but you're going to feel this screen and I'm bigger than you. Understand that this is not going to continue to take place." And so for for them to for for Jake Neighbors to get involved in that, you know, obviously scoring the goals, his his second goal in three games. He got a goal a couple of nights ago against Calgary. He's from Calgary, so that was a excuse mm-hmm. me, Calgary. That Calgary, was a, right. an important goal for him. Um, and to get another one last night, and to get in the fight and understand his shifts are going up, his minutes, his time on the ice is going up. He's playing at a level where you know guys are going to start trusting him more, and the teammates and the coaching staff is going to trust him more. And let's be honest here. Part of what the Blues process will be in the last three months of the season, January, February, March, part of April, they need to find out about people of 23, 24. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know that they're thinking Stanley Cup, but we can be real. They, they don't have to be real. They can continue to live in that world where they think they're going to win a Stanley Cup because they need to put their head down every single game and go for it. But if we're going to be realistic about this team, 
next year and the year after when they need a guy like neighbors he has to be prepared so getting him as many shifts as many minutes as possible letting him grow into that role that yeah. he displayed last night will only benefit them in 23-24 and, and you're still talking about a young guy 30 games in his NHL career you know he's a first round pick a guy that is really uh, getting the time on the ice right now that he hasn't had because he's he's younger and he had guys in front of him that were that are stars so you know those guys are injured you're getting more opportunities and you're showing the coaching staff, hey, I can not only play in this game, I can play at this level, um, but if I get into a, a, if I need to, I can get into it with a guy and protect our own guys. I can protect myself and I can help protect our guys. That, you know, that type of mentality, it, it carries a lot of weight on a team. And by the way, on Thursday night, Nashville likes to scrap more than any other team in the league. So I'll be interested to see if for a second straight game if somebody invites neighbors into that neighborhood. And I, and I think he's going to be willing to take that on. I don't. He doesn't strike me as a guy that shies away from from that type of uh, altercation. Like he's not going to run away or, or back away. And, and that's what this Blues team needs. There, there are there have been times where I've seen guys get checked and and right in front of the net and they put their eyes down, they put mm-hmm. their head down. And as a player. If I know I can do pretty much anything to you and you're not going to respond, there are guys that are going to continue to do it. You know, poke at you, stick, hit you as much as they can because they know you're not going to respond in a way that is is a threat or, or, or something that I have to worry about for the entirety of the game. And so if you have to have a guy, and Jake Neighbors, if he's going to be that guy that can score goals and punch you in the face at the same time, <laughs> you want that guy on the ice. Vancouver first in the league in fighting majors this year, 21. The Flyers have 20 and Nashville is third with 19. Where are the Blues fighting at? Majors. We had like four fights this year, don't we? Yeah, not many. Uh, three or four. Let's see. The Blues are scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. They're 23rd with eight fighting majors. Has it been eight? Yeah. I don't remember eight. But I, I don't think it's eight real fights. Yeah, I don't think so either. It might have been guys just tustling, yeah. grabbing each other's yeah. sweaters. He'd grab his sweater and pull it over let's, his head. Let's catch up. Let's catch, <laughs> let's catch up to Nashville. I don't know if we can catch up with him tomorrow. I don't know night, if you want to catch up to him tomorrow up. night. I, I don't know <laughs> if that's feasible, Randy. <laughs> it happened one night in Philadelphia. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, our buddy Martin Kilcoyne from the Two Fox has a great event coming up. He's going to tell us about that, and he's also going to tell us some stories about our friends down the hall with the morning after. Yeah, uh, Marty is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So, uh, Matthew, Carrie, you remember when you were kids and for Christmas or birthday, you get a little walkie-talkie and you could talk to your buddy mm-hmm. next door. Yep. But if, if you went two houses down, like the, the, the walkie-talkies didn't work, right? Yep. Martin Kilcoyne and I used to work at a radio station like that where you could hear it next door, <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't hear it two houses away. Marty's in the, in the studio right now. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I remember, now Randy Carricker, much like myself, we've had some stops along mm-hmm. the way. Yep. Some have been longer than others. When you first left Camo X, okay, you made a move down the dial. Yeah, to the Big 550, yeah. And right after that, there was a luncheon. It was the St. Louis Ambassadors, and Joe Buck was being honored, and they had Jack Buck hosting. I, it was one of the last public events yeah. he did, um, and he gets up there, and Jack Buck, at 70, whatever he was, is roasting the room, including his son, You know, and he start, he's like... 
Great to have that chicken dinner waiting for you when you got here. Had you been here at midnight, it would have been waiting for you at your table. <laughs> and then he gets to Randy and he says, Randy recently made a move. He's probably a little intimidated by the size of this crowd talking to 200 people or something. So, of course, you had just made the move. Yeah, right. And he had to get a shot. Yeah. But the station you're referring to may have been even further down the dial. Well, 1380. Yeah, we were headquartered on the landing. ESPN, 1380 ESPN. Yes, I don't know that he's been claimed. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Back then, hey, can we get some announcer? But no, no. Hey, can we get some promos for the weekend's game? No. Did <laughs> you guys get your act together first? And then Rocky and I go way back. This is we're all in like the same support group. Carrie's going to learn over the years, right? Because it'll be like, remember that one time? Oh yeah, yeah. Remember I'm, that I'm, I'm learning. I'm yes. New. And then Rocky is, in a certain way, kind of like character with. Random knowledge. Now, Randy, it's, it's sports, right? His is everything else. His uh, everything. everything. And he used to get going because so Randy would say, uh, I remember exactly where that Mike Laga foul ball fell. <laughs> <laughs> it went, it, in fact, sir, the only foul ball to ever leave Bush Stadium, too. And you're like, you're right, it was. So it's very sports specific and insanely good. And then Rocchio, in a commercial break, I'd say, like, ooh, you see what's happening down in Chile? And he's like, oh, that dictator. He's got a lot of nerve. I'm like, what? I'm like, you have you have knowledge of South American political leaders? He, he, in the it is amazing. And he gets to talk. I'm like, how do you? You go and make me feel bad about myself for not knowing, for not what's having this. In the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and Carrie will throw it a break to, hey, when we come back, Jason Tatum's latest feat. And then they hit the break. And then Rocky was like, can you believe the oil cartels? What's happening today in Saudi Arabia? And you're like, what, what, are, that was what place? website are you on over there? <laughs> there's certain people that have that just insane knowledge about really detailed stuff. Bill McDermott on soccer. Yeah, right. It's insane. And you can bring up anything. Hey, how do you think we're going to do at the World Cup? I mean, that's all you'll say. Martin, one of the keys now is Argentina's halfback has been out for a month. And I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> However, the Netherlands system is not conducive to the weather in Qatar. I'm like, what? And he's right, but it's insane. It's unbelievable that he knows it. I love RK because he wears so many hats, right? He'll he'll be over there talking about weight loss, and he's done a great job over the years keeping weight off and being healthy, and they'll say, by gum, we need another Dunkin' Donuts in this town. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so you don't know what direction he's going to go. No, you don't, well, but... We do. I mean, no, I, we do. I, I agree. I, Look I, at me. I agree. Well, of course. You, where, where you work, you've got a Dunkin' Donuts right down the street. I mean, it's different, right? Over and I like it. He's advocating for another quick trip. There's one on every corner. There is. I, used to, so, so I would run into Randy. All the time. We had yeah. our punch cards out at the quick trip. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and Randy, and I love how formal Randy is. I texted Joe Buck. He was on with you guys last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. And I said, there's one guy in America who will call Bob Costas Robert, and who will call Joe Buck Joseph. And I said, I texted Joe, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Randy Carrick. I should say, Randall, good to be with you. How are you, sir? Yeah, it's a, it, it is a formal, yeah. courteous kind of thing. It's courteous, that's Robert. right. And here's the thing. Is what is the thing? Even that's when, a segment. Do you yeah, guys do? Here's the we, thing. We, we need to do that. When I became a quote-unquote veteran, three, four years at KMOX. So we're talking mid-80s. And I'd see Bob, I'd go, hello there, Robert. I would <laughs> extend the R out a little bit. And so it's just been Robert ever oh, since. Okay, so and, there's a little history to it. Right. And with Joe, because his middle name- He was name, a little kid. And... Yeah, exactly. And so and his middle name is Francis. I don't call him Joseph Francis anymore, but his dad did. Hmm. Joseph, Joseph Francis Buck is here. 
So, uh, first time I ever met Robert, uh, I was an intern at Channel 11, and, and Carrie, like, this is great. We're reading each other's resumes, but I was an intern at Channel 11, and Bob Costas happened to be doing some Cardinal games that summer, and I, des- I was in college at the time, desperately wanted to meet him, so my cousin and I, cousin John, are waiting in the press box for the game to end and for him to leave. Now, I know he's talking to everybody. He knows everybody. He's about to get on the elevator. And the old Bush stand, the elevator was right next to the press box. Mm-hmm. As soon as you went out the door, you were almost on the elevator. So I panicked and kind of ran towards him. <laughs> and, I, and I yelled, Bobby. <laughs> I, was, I was like 20. And I go, Bobby. And he turns around like, who in the hell? And he knew it wasn't Randy because I didn't say Robert. And I said, I just want to get some quick advice. And he, he was great. I walked back to my cousin and he said, why did you say Bobby? <laughs> and I said, I kind of panicked. I will tell you, I don't call him Bobby anymore. <laughs> you remember uh, Jack Carney, though? Jack, didn't Jack Carney call him Young Bobby Pro- Costas? He called him Young Bobby. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was one of the kings of, of the nicknames as well. Yeah. We're, you're going to be here, but I want you to tell people about what you've got coming up with uh, Mike Martz. Oh, this is this great month. because we, we all do this in media. You have some as a guest. Like, hey, would you like to have, and especially at the Super Bowl, right? They have people on Radio Row. Hey, do you want Michael Irvin? And you're like, absolutely. We're talking about the Cowboys. Uh, he's selling avocados. And you're like, what? <laughs> and like, you have to do that first yeah, if right, you want to get right. him on your show. On Marshall Falk's Sunday Night Show, he would always have an event that week. And a lot of times, the Falk Foundation, they'd go to Epworth and do things with kids. They did a lot of great things. And it was sort of understood that we would promote those events. But I always had it at the bottom of the rundown, which is terrible. (laughs) And so we'd be talking about the next game and the Patriots and and the 49ers and all this great stuff. And he'd say, what about my charity? And I'm like... Mm -hmm. 20 seconds. Uh, put, the, <laughs> put the graphic up. And at one time, he looked at the camera and he said, Fox 2, just don't let the kids. <laughs> and so for years, we would say to Marshall, don't let the kids. And we would, we would bump that graphic a little higher in the show so we would get to it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's an event coming up. It's Thursday, January 26th. And I've been talking around town about it because I think it's really a unique get-together. It's an evening with Mike Martz. And most people have said, oh, he's flying in for this. No, no, he lives here. And I know you guys have had him on the show. And he's run into people. He's still, I mean, that shock of white hair, the glass, he looks very much like Mike Bartz. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he said he's going around town and people are saying, are you, were you you that old coach that you said? (laughs) Lives here now. Two of his four kids live here. They have grandkids here. Uh, I mean, the tourism bureau ought to get to him. He he moved from San Diego <laughs> right, to right. St. Louis. <laughs> he literally would walk out on his front porch and see the mountains and his back porch and see the ocean. Uh, yes. I was at that house. I mean, when I heard he was moving back here, I said, what happened? He's like, Is everything okay? I mean, I, we love it here, but what? So he's living here now, and he's having so much fun reconnecting with fans. And something I had forgotten, he was on that staff the first two years with Rich Brooks. Mm-hmm. So he lived here for nine years between his assistant days, his head coaching, coordinating days. Nine seasons, nine years where his kids were young and little and going to school here. Kids have a lot of friends here. So he's all excited about being back. And so the evening is going to be basically a fireside chat, me interviewing him. Any and all topics are on the table. But he really wants to do... The Q&A with the fan. Probably because he doesn't want to hear my question. After all <laughs> right, years. And so the event is Thursday, January 26th. It's at St. Clair Country Club. Bob Golby's home for many years. Mm-hmm. Beautiful spot. Belleville, Illinois. Great layout. And we're trying to keep it pretty intimate so that, I mean, I don't even picture me having a microphone. This is not one of those 200, 300 people in an auditorium. 
uh, Q&A with me and him and then with the audience. And I said, Mike, some folks might bring their jerseys or footballs and take pictures. He said, do it. I love it. He's very excited about it. So you can get tickets at Eventbrite. That's the website that handles a lot of these types of events. Easiest thing, if you go to Eventbrite, Eventbrite, and just type in evening with Mike Martz, it should come up. Tickets available there. It's 6 to 8-ish. We're saying a happy hour. kind of. Nobody wants to be out too late. It's a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Not cutting into your family time or mm-hmm. your weekend time. And I think it's going to be great because he was always candid. Yeah, always. I mean, and now he's not looking to get back in the game. You know, Kerry, <laughs> the coaches that yeah. first get out of the game and they go on the network shows, oh, I think he did a great job. Well, they yeah. were 5-12. and 12. Oh, yeah. he really managed that roster. They're all sucking up because mm-hmm. they want that next job. That's not happening here. <laughs> you can say anything at once. And if people, you can go to Eventbrite, and that's B-R-I-T-E, right? Yeah, B-R-I-T-E, Eventbrite. Or they can just go to your Twitter I I've feed. I've tweeted it out. I've got a Martin Kilquin's Facebook page. It's out there. I'm not really smart at getting the word out. That's why I'm counting on my wife to set up the webpage okay. and all of that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, he talked when we uh, did a TV segment. He hasn't seen the Kurt Warner movie because he said, I know it would upset me. Hmm. And Good for him. And the clips, and I've not seen it, which shame on me, but the clips of Mike Martz, he looks kind of exaggerated and maniacal. And he said, Marty, let me tell you, those things never were said. That movie, I never said that. (laughs) He's seen the clips, and he talked to the actor that played him. And he Mm -hmm. said, the actor told me it was embellished. So, I mean, there's a million topics, from Kurt Warner's rise, the Kurt Warner awkward exit, Mm -hmm. Bulger's rise, losing to the Patriots, Belichick Brady, there was some... Spygate allegations, even remember taping the walkthrough the yep. day before. I mean, Marshall's answer was always, if it doesn't matter, why'd they do it? If it didn't matter, why'd they do it? Mm. And who knows what it led to. Um, but also the Rams leaving here. Mike is kind of heartbroken that the Rams aren't here because he considers St. Louis. I mean, obviously he loves it here because he's moved back. Yeah. So Rams fans who I think are underserved in this market, where do you go for really hardcore Rams conversation? It's just kind of packed up and left. Other than Martin and Randy in the Quick Trip parking lot. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> Remember that time I was a team? Oh, I do. Remember Alex Barron? Oh, I do. Yeah. So uh, Marty Kilcoyne is here. He's going to tell us, um, he, he's going to compare and contrast uh, the opening drive to, uh, what's that thing showed on the hall? The, TM, 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 idiots down the hall. Yeah, are those guys, but they're idiots. Yeah, that's next I just saw Kenny Iggy Strode smoking a cigarette. What are the odds? What are the odds? Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Martin Kilcoyne getting ready to host an evening with Mike Martz on January 26th at the St. Clair Country Club. It'll run from 6 to 8. You can go to Eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com, and just search an evening with Mike Martz, and you can get tickets there. And he's raising money for Alzheimer's Association. I think his mother died of Alzheimer's. I'm raising money for Larsh St. Louis. My sister has been involved with them for 30 years. They're an international organization. They also have homes in St. Louis for people with mental disabilities. Similar to what Kurt and Brenda are doing with Treasure House. My sister does that locally. And by the way, Mike uh, and his wife, Julie, they funded and put naming rights on the Alzheimer Research Area at Wash U, which was more in our community than Stan Kroenke ever did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I, I'd like to get Mike talking about Stan, because he was around mm-hmm. in their glory days. I remember going on draft day. One year I got to go in the war room, and Stan's over in the corner there. 
measuring how quickly he could like sell this building. No, I'm kidding. He was at that point, <laughs> I guess, invested in the Rams. But I'd love to hear Mike's take on him. And he has been very charitable. There was an Isaac Bruce event. You and I go to that every mm-hmm. year. And Isaac has his foundation. And I remember being up there. And it's it's a little awkward when you do these events. Does anybody, instead of bidding on an item, you say, does anybody want to just give us ten grand? You right, know? right. And like, not anybody I know. And <laughs> one of those years I said, to, and I, Mike was just in the audience, raised his hand, $10,000. Boom. Yeah. Loves Isaac. and He's a great guy. Uh, it'll be fun. Okay, so how was it last week sitting in with the guys from the morning after? Well, when you leave there, what's great about Hubbard is they immediately take you over to the staff psychiatrist, <laughs> and you get to kind of break down everything that just happened. Kind um, of a debriefing uh, yes. of what took place. And then they filled my prescriptions on site, okay, okay. just for having been on the show, and then I took a shower. Well, I thought you were going to say they yeah. put you in one of those... Uh, quarantined room yeah, yeah. where they just spray you with the water yeah, to, to wash it all off. <laughs> so it, it's always an experience. And when I say, when you leave there, I need to take a shower. It's not because the topics are that bawdry or, or whatever. It's because I was so close to Kenny, I smelled like a <laughs> cigarette factory, that I had to take a shower. Uh, no, we had fun. There's a lot of history with all those guys. And, and I think Doug, he just sits and said, what? Oh, no, stop it. I think, <laughs> Doug could just, I think Doug could just record a bunch of drops and not even have to be there. Like, oh, don't say that. Like, he just has this outrage and just hit a, he could do it from home. Just hit a little button every once in a while. Uh, you know, and Tim, I mentioned Bernie wears a lot of hats. Tim has always been that guy who could wear a lot of hats McKernan because he'd be like, oh, man, we should just have some girls on today and, you know. Have them take their clothes off. I'm like, whoa, whoa, we're not doing that, Tim. <laughs> and then the next hour, he's like, okay, the Blues win, but their power play was excellent last night. I'm like, wait a minute, did you just chameleon during the break there? What happened? Do you guys remember? He threw a fast, okay, so we're in 2006. He throws a fastball for that first pitch of the two th- of game two of the 2007 NLCS. I really thought he should have gone with a curveball there. Tim will go yeah, like in real that detail. In deep. Yeah. And then <laughs> the other thing is like, so here I was playing poker and there's some strippers in the background. You're just like, what, what? is the dichotomy <laughs> well, here? The- At least Iggy is consistent. He, he provides very little <laughs> effort. Uh, his Rolodex is beyond dated. Okay. <laughs> Even LaRusso thinks he needs some new celebrity friends, okay? (laughs) But I love Iggy. I love Kenny. Iggy Strode. What's your favorite, and I always tell people, Martin Kilcoyne is the funniest person I know in person. What's your favorite impersonation that you do? I probably my Rick Smith, but it's not funny to anybody, about two or three people. (laughs) He was the Rams PR director, an older guy, for many years. It wasn't just his voice, but it was also his sort of isms. He always had these just random nuggets of knowledge you know if malcolm briggs walked by he'd say, hey it's uh it's scooter briggs and i'm like why do you call him scooter you don't remember the fullback at fresno in 45 and i'm like no i don't and he, but he also had all these great sayings and it's not funny and and frank Cusimano would say boy that's not going to get you on the tonight show I'm like because nobody knows this guy that's my favorite one uh, when when Dick Ford died, I actually did the eulogy in September. His family asked me to. And I said, I have to be honest, most of my stories with your dad were just kind of lighthearted anecdotes, and I would do his voice. And they said, no, do that. <laughs> and they, they said he would love it. He would laugh. He'd think he had a great long life. They said he would have fun with that. So I said to my wife, this is really awkward. It's a funeral. Do I really dip into the voice? <laughs> And she said, that's what they want. And they loved it. And we had that's fun awesome. and we had a lot of laughs. And so, we got Klaibs coming up next. 
Okay. You know what, man? For a number of reasons. You just have to go a number of reasons. And he, he has had that phrase for years, but he's right. Almost every answer is like, well, hold on. There are a number of reasons why that makes sense. So whenever Clay says that, for a number of reasons, I say to myself, well, what are those number of reasons? I want to <laughs> hear all of them, okay? dig into it. I want to dig into it. But, and I don't really have a character. I've always said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Gary, yeah. great to be with you. Thank you, sir. Like that formal voice is what I hear with RK. What story do you have about Randy that we have not learned? Give, give me one, your interaction time with him. All right, here's my, this is my favorite Randy story because <laughs> it feels, and it's complimentary, it, but it feels so out of character. The Rams with Mike Martz are in the Super Bowl in New Orleans, and Fox 2 had a setup. I don't know if it was Bourbon Street, French Quarter, but very lively, and the Patriot fans were just obnoxious as all get out. We're doing like a half-hour show. Let's say it's the Thursday night before the Super Bowl. Got our microphones, and Randy's always been a longtime guest, with, analyst with us on, on Fox 2. And somebody back there, and I don't know, it was berating me or just, you're an idiot. You know, every swear word in the book, and it's getting annoying, and you try to just kind of ignore it and don't call attention to it. And we go to a break, and I have a bad temper, but at this point I was like locked in trying to focus. What's next? Okay, it's a video of this. It's a soundbite with Ricky Prohl. I'm like staying locked in. We go to the commercial break, and Randy, I see this happen just snaps looks like the incredible hulk goes over and i swear to you, he grabbed the guy's teddy brewski jersey or whatever and he's like turn off on you knock it off get out like like screams in the guy's face and looked like he was gonna bludgeon him to death that's what it looked like and i'm like this is the guy who says, robert thank you sir i'm like how did that guy just morph into Charles Bronson? You remember these that? Guys, you remember I, that I, moment? I, I've told these guys that's there. It, the black outrage is yeah, there. When it was unbelievable. Be. And this guy, you know, probably a Southie, <laughs> looked like he was going to crap his pants. And like, he just saw this guy snap. By the way, when we, uh, I guess it was, it had to be in New Orleans, when you were doing the show from a, somebody's a yacht or something, yeah. Well, well, remember the whole backstory there, nobody cares other than Dan Caesar will probably bring it up great. because it's 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Channel 5 bought access to the team hotel. And historically, you'd have everybody had a station at the team hotel. So we were sort of like, okay, we'll just come up with our own thing. I believe in the paper, I might have said, that's a Bush League move. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget it, the media day, because I kind of went after Mike Bush, and I was like 30. I should have probably shut my mouth, but I was really ticked off about it. And then Mike came up to me at the media day at the Superdome. He said, Martin, I want you to know I had nothing to do with that. And I said, Mike, I will not call you a liar. I'll just say I choose not to believe you. So they had this So they had this setup at the hotel. So we would do, Joel Goldberg and I were live on the river in New Orleans, and then we met some people who had a boat. But we had like Ricky Prohl and Jeff Robinson, Skinny, and all these fun guys would come down at 10 o'clock at night and do our mm. show, and we were hanging out. But the one night in the French Quarter, we tempted fate, and Randall Carricker went back into his weightlifting mode of high school. He just over testosterone. I don't know what it was, but it was like the Hulk. He just snapped, and, and the guy left. That was the he end just of that. walked away? On a stretcher. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. No, pretty and fun. that's not the RK when you're driving around that you picture. Not at all. You but I, I've, I've known him long enough, and I've heard enough stories that if, if pushed far enough, yes. he can, it, it, it can it can happen. I'm always going to take care of my guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You don't no, bother I with like I had security at that point, you know? <laughs>
So we're looking forward to uh, June twenty or January twenty sixth with Mike Martz at the St. Clair Country Club Eventbrite.com. For more information, just type in an evening with Mike Martz and you and he together are sensational and watching you over the years and your relationship with him is great. So the the best you'll get from Mike Martz is from Martin Kelly. And I think to make it even more fun, I'm going to give him three timeouts. I'm going to say, Mike, I need you to manage the clock here now. (laughs) And he can call a timeout on me anytime he wants. And then in the crowd, I'm going to hand out a challenge flag. So if they want to challenge (laughs) any of the stories, if they call BS on the story, they get to throw a challenge flag. Do you remember a game in San Francisco? I don't even remember. Probably not as well as you. But opening kickoff, the Ram return guy, fumbles it out of bounds on the one. Oh, yes. It was and a defensive back, younger guy. Yeah. Okay, yes. And he threw a challenge flag for whatever reason on the other. <laughs> yes. And it was, there was no doubt about it. Oh, I don't I, know why I, it happened. Oh, my gosh. It, I shouldn't do this, but I will give Randy Carricker $20 right now if you can name that guy. I want to say it was a defensive back. Well, this has been about 02, 03. Yeah. In San Francisco. <sighs> yeah, it was the opening kick. It was a... Somewhat nondescript defensive back who also could return kicks. I remember that. Yeah. And I don't know what they were challenging. (laughs) They probably don't know know either. It was unreal. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Good to see you, man. Great to see you guys. That's our buddy Martin Kilcoin here on 101 ESPN. Next up, Klabes is already down in Florida. So we're going to talk to him about what's going on with the Cardinals here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The plan was for Mike Claiborne to drive for a long time yesterday from St. Louis to Jupiter, Florida. He's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Michael. Did you drive straight through and are you there? Yeah, I'm here and I'm happy to report the grass is green here and um, (laughs) there's some leaves on the trees. So, yeah, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Weather pretty nice. What's the temperature looking like? Uh, supposed to get up to 74 today, but by the weekend, it's supposed to be in the 80s. Now, how soon are you getting out on the golf course? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure yet. Um, I, I just got here, so I got to alert some of my friends here that I'm here and maybe sneak over to the range and hit a few before I start trying to play with anybody. Mike was involved with the winter warm-up over the weekend. What was your big takeaway? What was the thing that struck you most as you did your interviews and your panels? Boy, you know, that's a good question. I was with uh, some of the guys Friday night and just listening to them talk, you know, freely about, you know, work to be done. And I I think the one person who intrigued me most was Jack Flaherty. I know uh, Ben Fredrickson wrote a piece on him. I believe it was Ben Fredrickson uh, about him and his emotion this weekend. And, and, you know, one of the things that he, uh, he has been amused by is the fact that everybody thinks he's ready to leave St. Louis. And I, I really feel like that's not the case. And, and you know, there's, there's, in his opinion, some unfinished work here. So, you know, I think he wants to focus on being the best guy on the team as far as pitching is concerned and, and really trying to give something back considering he's been fairly inactive the last couple of years. Hey, Clay, we were we were talking earlier about um, really the the lack of signings, free agent signings for the Cardinals, and and I mentioned to Randy that it, is it a possibility that Mosellock and, and that team feels that what they have returning in Tyler O'Neill, a healthy Dylan Carlson, a healthy Jack Flaherty, that you have some of the better players that you could have signed in the free agent market, and you don't have to pay them as much. Well, I think they're going to take a long look at them. Uh, I think if they need somebody, they're going to go get them because they can financially cover it. 
Um, and, you know, th- there was only like a couple of people who really would have fit the Cardinals' M.O. You know, I think Trey Turner would have been a good shortstop. Tommy Edmond would have been a good second baseman. Uh, you know, when you look at the outfield, you know, I'm not sure if there was a guy that was going to be that dominant compared to the guys that you want to give a look to. And, you know, the Cardinals have always tried to make sure that they take a look at their own before they start to move out of the market and, and, and look at some other players. And so with the youth of these guys and, and really some young experience, I think they really want to give them a shot before they start really looking to shop. And, you know, there'll be somebody available. You know, everybody thinks they can be better than they were last year, but as you well know, that's not always the case. And there'll be somebody available. Mike, I mentioned on the show earlier, as Mo talked about left-handed hitters and not being able to guarantee a left-handed hitter the amount of playing time he wanted, the only guy I see that really fits the bill is Cody Bellinger, who went to a place where he can play a lot, hit a lot of home runs at Wrigley Field. A guy like Conforto signs a two-year contract. He's not worried about playing time. I don't think Brandon Belt was a guy that the Cardinals would have been interested in. I just don't see many guys out there, any other guys out there, that fit the profile no. of what Moe's talking about other than Cody Bellinger. I agree with you, Randy. And I think really they got to give – they have to give uh, Nolan Gorman a long look. Okay, this guy was – a hot prospect. He hit. He hit home runs at every level. He missed obviously because of COVID. And with his youth, you, you got to give him a look. Uh, you know, Bellinger hasn't been very good the last couple of years. He's had some injuries as well. But I understand the point with his experience and an MVP, the whole nine yards. But he's trying to find his mojo. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I'm of the belief that just because you're a free agent doesn't make you an all star. You know, I mean, you're a free agent because of your date of birth more than anything else and the fact that the, the team that you were playing for didn't think enough of you to sign you long-term well before your free agent date. Hey, Clebs, is there anyone um, other than Jack Flaherty that you think is going to have one of those breakout years uh, this season kind of maybe surprise some folks in, 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 Cardinals, in the Cardinals organization? You know, that, that's a good question because every year there's always a guy that's on that, that's not on anyone's radar, and, and I'll go back to <clears throat> excuse me, Jordan Hicks. Uh, you know, you look at Andre Pallante, you look at Brendan Donovan. I mean, those guys. Now Donovan had a good Arizona Fall League, but you know we've seen some guys come in. Lars Newbar was a guy, you know, that, that was a, a good player in the minors, but we didn't expect him to be in the conversation to, to have a starting job. So this year, I, I want to look at a guy like Zach Thompson out of the bullpen, former first-round pick. And, and who knows whether he's a bullpen guy or does he find himself in a starting role. You know, we, we're going to go into spring training with a lot of veterans or a lot of guys with major league starting experience. But we need some guys who can, who can take that next step. And so they are going to be some guys that are going to get a long look. You know, with Michaelis and Wainwright being involved in the WBC, there's going to be some innings to be had for somebody and it might be one of those guys. Claves, we were so lucky to be at the Blues Hall of Fame induction on Friday night, and we were both running around talking to people and, and trying to catch up with people that we hadn't seen in a while. A lot of highlights for me. What was your favorite thing about Friday night? Man, I, I think talking to Gary Unger. You know, when I was growing up, Gary Unger was the man. All right? He was the first real star of this team with youth. I'll never forget the day they made the trade on a Saturday. Uh, Red Berenson for, for Gary Younger. And Gary Younger came to St. Louis. He was injured. And he wasn't going to play. And Scotty said, hey, look, I just traded Red Berenson for you. I need you to play. And they played uh, in Philadelphia that Sunday afternoon. 
and he had that long uh, consecutive game streak. But, man, he was really like the first guy that was recognizable. That wasn't one of the guys who was a veteran and part of the expansion. So I got a kick out of it. And kudos to the Blues. That might have been as nice of an event as I've been part of in a long, long time. And, you know, I'm surprised that they hadn't done this before, uh, with especially with as many alums that are in St. Louis. But Mike Caruso and everybody involved deserves a real tip of the cap, man. That was one of the, one of the memorable events we've had so far in 2023. And the people that they put in, because... Yeah, Red, Red Berenson's yeah. 84, Scotty is 89. You just don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to put those yeah. guys in the Hall of Fame. So the timing was good, too. Yeah, it was. And you know what? I'm glad they addressed Glenn Hall as well. Uh, why Glenn Hall's number isn't hanging from the rafters, I have no idea. I mean, you think about the, the goalies that have worn number one other than Glenn Hall, and the only other guy who comes to mind is Mike Liu that had that sort of run in St. Louis. And, you know, Glenn Hall's already in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But I'm glad they put him in. He's 91, uh, you know, doesn't travel as well as he would like to, I'm sure. And then there's Brian Sutter, who had work on the farm. And, you know, he was an instrumental guy in the success of the team in the the, uh, early 80s. So, you know, it was a good good night. I'm I'm happy I was able to be there. Hey, Clays, Randy and I and Rock were were running through some quarterbacks from the 80s slash 90s and comparing them to to quarterbacks that are in the league right now. So we're going to I'm going to give you some names and and their comparison. And you tell me what you think. So we got Dan Marino and Justin Herbert as a as a comparison. You got uh, Jim Kelly and Josh Allen. You have Joe Montana, Joe Burrow. And we put John Elway and Patrick Mahomes. What are your what are your thoughts on those on those 80s comparisons to these quarterbacks now? Well, you know, let's let's throw another one in there. Randall Cunningham and Lamar Jackson. That's what Rock said. I said Randall Cunningham and Steve Young. <sighs> well, current guy. Lamar Jackson. Lamar and Steve Young. Yeah, yeah. Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Young. Is that what he Lamar said? Steve Young. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Randall had an arm better than all those guys. Yeah. I mean, he could throw it from side to the goal line to goal line. Uh well, you know what? I can't, I can't really push back on any of those. I, I like them. Um, you know, today today's quarterback, I mean, you know, you look at Josh Allen, who's bigger than most tight ends of the 80s, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's bigger than a lot of people that, are, that have been assigned to tackle him. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the fact is, you got to be able to run football, man. And if you don't have a running quarterback or a mobile quarterback, you have no chance. And if you don't have a running game, and this is why, you know, when you look at San Diego and the reason why they lost, they, they never they never had a running game to eat up clock. And then when they did try and run the ball, you know, it was like second and 11. I mean, they just couldn't get anything done. And if you don't have a running game at this time of the year, you have no chance. And what we're seeing instead of that feature back, we're seeing quarterbacks taking those taking those plays and running the ball and maybe gaining 60, 70 yards in a game. That, that's how the game's played now. Yeah, it's, it's amazingly different. I'm sure that by the time we talk next week here on this show, you'll have been over to Roger Dean Stadium and seen a Cardinal or two, and this will be fun. This will, If nothing else, curbs or curbs, Klaibs, this will be a, an intriguing spring training for the Cardinals because of all the question marks that are out there. Well, you know what? This time next week, I plan on being on a cruise. Oh. I'm going over today because, you know, we have a lot of players that are already down here. So I'm going to go over there today and just chop it up with them because most of them have come back for the warm-up. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting over there. And our fantasy camp is taking place here this week as well. 
So there'll be some activity over there. I will be down there on Saturday, as a matter of fact, for the fantasy camp. How long are you going to be here? uh, I'm only going to be in there for the date. My son is going to be involved on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, I may not see you while you're here. But uh, hopefully, I'll see you doing spring training, and we can. I've got. I just found out about a new restaurant last night, and I think it's going to be kind of good. All right, Clay's. I want to tell you on the air because you know that routine. You tell them on the air, and all of a sudden, you can't get a seat there. So <laughs> I, I'll do some reconning tonight, and uh, I will have a full report for you when we talk again. All right, sounds good, Clay's. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Take you too. Care. That's our buddy Mike Claiborne here on 101 ESPN. Carrie, uh, we remember this because we're older, mm-hmm. but people might not remember this. 1980, the Oakland Raiders won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay? The next 13 Super Bowls were won by the Niners, the Redskins. Or I'm sorry, let's go to 1982. I, I, I had the wrong year there. So um, 1984, the Raiders win. So after that, Niners, Bears, Giants, Redskins, Niners, Niners, Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, Cowboys, Niners, Cowboys, Packers. 13 in a row by the NFC. It's a lot of NFC teams. Yeah. You could probably potentially see that type of run in the AFC now. That's with what I'm thinking. Yep. yep. Coming up, <laughs> we've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Matthew, what do we got? There's a little NFL topic I wanted to bring up because I I just think it's odd what's going on with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. We already talked about kind of the overarching thing, but the fact that he wasn't on the sideline for a playoff game. And here's my thing. He was on the sideline a month ago when they played Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And so the idea that maybe the the leg injury is so bad that you don't want to have him, you know, in that situation where he's traveling in a, you know, in one position for an hour or two and so it kind of locks the knee up or anything like that. So this points only to me of some actual consternation between Jackson and and the front office. Well, there are two different guys, two different types of people when they get hurt. Some, you know, are at the facility every day getting treatment, you know, rehabbing, and then and this is usually with IR guys, guys that are done for the season. Then there are some guys that kind of go and do their own thing. I, I don't know that I would look more so much into him not being on the sideline or not being present, I would say more what he posted or what he retweeted after the game is kind of letting you know that there's some frustration because, you know, regardless of what you think of the front office or regardless of how you feel about how the business of football is going, you're still going to be there to support your guys. And and there have been teammates that have come out in support of him. Calais Campbell, who is still playing football very well at, at the age that he is, you know, has been supportive of him. And, and you have guys that are going to want him under center to to get that team going in the direction that they need to go if they plan on trying to win a championship. I wouldn't look so much into that, but there is there seems to be some frustration on his on his end due to the fact that, you know, we're not talking about a number that is making him feel comfortable enough to to want to sign and want to be a Raven for the rest of his life. They're one of the few franchises that I would feel comfortable with their chances of winning, even if they had the mega contract quarterback, because they draft so well. Yeah, I, I agree. They've done a great job, except for the receiver position. Yeah, they they can't bad. find that that position for whatever reason 
to to have sustained success. You know, Hollywood Brown leaving, I don't know what that was about. I don't know if that was a frustration in, in lack of touches or or maybe he was frustrated with the route combinations. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it. You guys are running in the same area for whatever reason uh, and making the picture muddy for the quarterback. They have to figure something out in terms of how they're going to run their offense uh, through him because they're going to sign him. He's going to be franchised or he's going to get a long-term deal uh, regardless of, of – what happens this offseason. He'll he'll be in a Baltimore Ravens uniform. How would you feel, though? Let's put it, make it Ben Roethlisberger, who's got an injured knee, was at a game, is walking around in the facility during the week, but is not on the sideline with you guys for a road playoff game. How does Kerry Davis feel about it? I probably, I mean, at that point, I'm so much for, more focused on the people in front of me, meaning the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals, than the care who the heck is on the sideline not dressed and not playing. I, I don't think that when we got on the plane, win, lose, or draw, that's not something, oh, Lamar's not coming, uh, seven's not coming to the game? Uh, who, who cares? He's not playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. what difference does it make if he's there? or not. I, I wouldn't be concerned with that. I got linebackers in front of me that I got to block. <laughs> Good bottom line. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. It was, it was the fact that he was on the sideline a month ago. That that, that was the only part. That, like if it is, like you said, if he was just a guy who got injured, didn't want to deal with it, and was just doing his own thing on in reserve, it's one thing. But it's the fact that a month later, after he's on the sideline while being injured, he neglects to travel. And also, I get it. Baltimore to Pittsburgh, not a very far travel. Neither Baltimore to Cincinnati. And so I, it, it just... Again, I, I can understand why he's bothered. I'm not saying his teammates are going to be bothered by it, but I have to think he was sending a message to the Ravens. Hey, don't forget the championship bash is happening on the 29th of this month at Helen Fitzgerald's. Join members of the 101 ESPN crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Ellisville for the AFC and NFC championship games. Tons of TVs to watch. Helen Fitzgerald's is awesome. The bash kicks off with a live pregame show broadcast at 11 a.m. Hope to see you on the 29th at Helen Fitzgerald's for the champ bash brought to you by Car Shield. Bud Light and David Taylor Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD. There we go. That's all we need. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.